Welcome to another edition of the Ultimate Weigh-In Show. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOT. And this week, we're going over a big UFC 268 card headlined by a pivotal welterweight title fight, a very interesting and a high-level welterweight title fight between Colby Covington and Kamaru Usman. This is the second time they're going out there and, and scrapping with each other. Obviously, at UFC 245, Kamaru Usman got his hand raised via fifth-round KO or TKO, whatever you want to call it. And now they're running it back, and I can't wait, as I believe these, that these two guys are the top two welterweights in the world, and I could watch them fight four or five, six times a day. Let's throw the storylines out the, out the window. These guys are competitors and probably the best that the welterweight division has to offer not to mention we got rose nama Yunus going up against wiley zhang the new look wiley zhang going down there to fight ready now hopefully trying to change up and fix up a couple of things and then go back in there against rose nama units and try to reclaim that title and not to mention we got Michael Chandler going up against Justin Gaethje. How much more can you ask for from this wonderful pay-per-view event? I can't wait to break it down. And I had to bring some big guns with me. Last week, I had my guy Olivier Obama, CA, come on and help us break down that Russian heavy card, UFC 267. This week, we had to bring in a surging UFC flyweight uh, two straight wins in the UFC right now, not to mention just notching a knockout victory over Daniel Da Silva, Daniel Lacerda, whatever you want to call you. Daniel doesn't matter because Jeff Molina went out there and ended this guy's night in the second round. Jeff, what's going on, my brother? What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. And I, I me, me and Jeff were talking a little bit right before we went live. And I think we came slightly really good friends after I saw that Dreamville shirt that he's rocking <laughs> there because I am a huge J. Cole fan. We we're talking a little bit about music earlier. And uh, Jeff was saying, you said most you hit of a Drake, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I told him, I'm like, even though I'm from Toronto, you know, I don't really place Drake in my top three or anything like that. I'm a big J. Cole fan. I'm a big Kendrick fan. And I'm a big Kid Cudi fan as well, too. So we, we chopped it up about some music and stuff right before we went live. And one thing that Jeff is was saying uh, for the majority of his career, he's been going out there and walking, to, walking out to Biggie. Is there something specific about Biggie that, like, gets you amped up and ready to fight? Or is there some sort of connection between your fighting and, and Biggie itself? Yeah, maybe uh, some East Coast connection. Uh, I was born in Jersey, spent the first decade of my life out there, and uh, I've always liked Biggie, man. Um, as soon as I got into hip-hop, I got into hip-hop probably around like six or seven years old, and I was listening to Biggie, so that, that song amps me up. Anytime I hear uh, Spit Your Game by Biggie, just, uh, you know, it get, gets, it gets the people going. It gets me going, so yeah, uh, I like walking out to Biggie. I did it for most of my kickboxing fights when I was a minor. I think I had like nine or 10 kickboxings or Muay Thai slash Muay Thai fights. And I walked out to Biggie every time I could. I love it. I love it. Uh, I know there's a lot of people in the chat that are probably already saying it, but they want to congratulate you and thank you for cashing some tickets last time around. I remember uh, as soon as the props dropped for your fight with Daniel Lucerta, I actually texted James right away. And I'm like, you know, you they got your boy James Molina to win by KO at plus 500. And he was like, let's go. <laughs> and I'm like, Man, let's uh, go, baby. I think probably after you said that, you put that in our little group chat. And uh, our whole group chat hit on that, man. Uh, some people won pretty big, uh, like second round KO slash DKO, like on, on the button. Man, like that was uh, a lot of people hit that. So, yeah, that, that, that's pretty cool, man. It's well, been really cool to see like the like the tweets and the, the the DMs like, Hey man, I got you on by KO or I got you by on the, on the round bet on the round prop or, or I just got you in the straight bet. Like that, that's pretty sweet to see, man. Yeah, for sure. Everybody loves kind of just like getting in the ear of the fighter if they can beforehand to be like, Hey, you know what I mean? If you, if you know, 
knock this guy down. Let's go for the club and sub. I'm trying to catch this submission prop rather than, rather than you trying to you know, ground and pound this guy or anything like that. But uh, I, I do want to ask you, in that fight, going back to your corner, you're like, Doug, I'm, I'm starting to tire out a little bit. You're, right? you're kind of showing your hand to, to your coach, and he just got you right back on track. Obviously, James, very good at doing so. What was your mindset kind of going into that second round where you're like, I might not have the energy reserves that I thought I would have going into the second round. What the hell was going through your head, bro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's never a question of like, can I can I keep going? It's a I'm a pretty transparent, honest dude. I, I'd consider myself, uh, and I'm pretty aware in there. So uh, I was just being honest with my coach. Uh, he asked me like, how are you feeling? I said, hey, I'm a little tired. Um, he's like, hey man, I know you can fight tired. I think he said something about along those lines. Uh, I don't quite remember, but it's like yeah. you you fought tired in your last fight or something like that. And that's true, man. Like everyone gets tired. Like everyone has a hot five in them, but. Uh, Dude, I fight really well tired, you know, so um, I did it in my debut. Um, I do it every day in the gym. Um, so it, it was never a concern. It was just like my coach asked me how I'm feeling. I'm like, hey, man, I'm a little tired. But after the fight, me and James were talking. It's like, hey, man, you were tired. You were tired from whooping that ass. Like uh, you were managing to get ground a pound in, in that first round. And, man, that's kind of a, a mantra at our gym is like 501. It's, we call it the 501 rule, meaning like everyone can be good for five minutes. Everyone, you know, you can be out of shape and, and be and look pretty athletic for five minutes but at 501 like we're on that ass so that was uh that was kind of the mindset we had going into this fight we knew he was a he was a wild fighter had only been out of the first round once um we knew he was slick off his back like high level jiu-jitsu player and, and he comes out hot he comes out pretty wild so the the fight kind of went exactly how we thought uh this is probably the first time a game plan went to like to the t as far as uh we knew he was gonna throw up the triangle arm bar we, we worked those submission defenses a million times and then uh we kind of expected a, a wild first round from him but we knew uh, i was better than him everywhere uh, wrestling jiu-jitsu striking and it kind of played out that well uh two more quick questions that we'll get into the breakdowns of the, the fights this weekend uh first and foremost you never actually fought in the ufc when they had the crowds right you kind of jumped onto the scene uh at least in the ufc during this COVID era but uh, that your your second or sorry your first fight uh, was in front of the crowd for the first time like uh, since since this whole COVID era I know they had fans for the the McGregor Poirier two card back in January over there in Abu Dhabi but it wasn't you know max capacity like we were getting down there for UFC two sixty one that card will always hold a special place in my heart because like it seemed like every single fighter came out there and said we're here for the fans let's go out there put on a freaking show and you guys had the second fight of the night after a crazy women's fight right before you guys between Nali Young and our Ariane Carnalosi and then you guys actually went out there and got those 50 G's baby you guys got the fight of the night that night too uh take me back to that card uh what your thoughts were kind of going through the tunnel feeling the energy of the crowd feeling that you know the world's slowly starting to come back together trying to get back some normalcy or anything like that uh, walk me through your ufc 261 experience yeah man uh so originally when i got offered that fight it was supposed to be in singapore and i was like fuck yeah like dude <laughs> uh, you know there's three things i want from the sport i want financial freedom the second is to be able to, to travel the world on the UFC's dime with my, my homies, my coach, and just uh, experience different cultures, different foods. And I was like, man, Singapore's going to be sick. Uh, especially since I, I kind of got uh, fucked out of that the Abu Dhabi trip. You know, I caught COVID two days before I was supposed to fly out for Abu Dhabi. And uh, that was the second time that fight got rescheduled. So my debut just kept getting delayed and delayed. So I thought, here we go, man. You know, uh, not to mention Drake, but like God's plan. Like everything happens for a reason. <laughs> like. Here we go. We're going to Singapore. This will make up for missing out on Abu Dhabi. Um, fight gets moved to the apex. They're not able to go to Singapore for COVID reasons. 
And then, uh, like, two weeks, two or three weeks before the fight, uh, James FaceTimes me right after practice. He's like, have you seen the news? And I was like, what news? He's like, your fight's getting moved to Jacksonville. It's in front of fans. Uh, first first event in front of fans again, uh, 15,000 people. And I was like, fuck yeah, man. So the, the experience is sweet. Uh, sharing the card with uh, fucking legends, savages, like three title fights on the card. The whole experience was uh, was surreal, man. And it was cool because, like, whenever I, I – I pictured having my UFC debut as a teenager, as like a kid, man, pretty much like ever since I started in this sport, I've always pictured it with fans. I didn't picture it in an empty apex, you know, yeah, uh, where it's pretty quiet. I pictured it. Yeah. Yeah. I pictured it in, in front of fans and getting to experience that. Like, I don't care if I, if I ever fight, if I always fight in, in the apex again, man, like I'm cool with that. Like I, I got to experience it once and I will forever cherish that, that moment. And, uh, also, to get fight of the night on a card that was so stacked like that is in your debut cool, too, brother. Like, yeah, that, that's kind of that's kind of how how much better can you start off your UFC career other than like maybe a you know a thirteen second knockout and get the performance of the night? But like you provided a, an amazing show for us for fifteen minutes. Went to war with this guy. Our, I believe his name was Iari Klang, something like that, uh, or Richie Lang. Sorry, that's his name. Uh, yeah, absolute war of a fight, and I'm sure everybody was thanking you afterwards as well. Like probably uh, one of the more entertaining fights on the card. Secondly, we talked about this before we went live, but I do also want the, the viewers to kind of get an inside view in terms of uh, how you got into the MMA betting world and stuff, right? Like I'm trying to bring on fighters and coaches and stuff that actually bet and gamble and, and can give us a legitimate prediction of fights, whether they run tape or they actually know these fighters and stuff. So what kind of got you into the betting side of things for MMA? Man, uh, I was telling you this uh, off camera, but it was uh, I've gotten really heavy into betting probably since uh, late July. Like before, it was $20 plays, you know, at most $50 plays, and my heart was racing at that point. And then uh, uh, late July is when uh, I started treating it like a job. Um, my coach, James Krause, is, uh, is is really good at, at this, man. He's really good at this. He also treats it like a job. He's really good at making these plays, and he puts a lot of time into this. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a mentor to me, and he, and he kind of taught me the – kind of show me the ropes so like i i watch i watch tape i watch a ton of tape regardless man like i'm always watching fights whether it's like a a regional shitty fight at some local casino or it's <laughs> ufc uh lfa like i'm always watching fights man um so this just makes me watch it a little differently you know uh, uh i subscribed to the mma 365 website a couple months ago like tape I'm, index baby let's dude, go man, that's and, my uh, shit right there dude uh I, i've always I've always watched a ton of tape. It's uh, you know, it's a great way to learn from other people's mistakes and successes without personally experiencing them yourself, without taking the brain damage for them. So uh, I feel like it's a it's a great way to learn. And uh, so I was doing that regardless, man. And I hate to ramble, but it's just I, I treat this like a job, and it's worked really well for me in the last couple months. Uh, after my debut, I kept my daytime job and I kept working that for a couple months. And I quit and I got a little nervous. I was like, man, no passive income's coming in. I could blow up my knee tomorrow and yeah. and not fight for a year. Um, so I had to talk with James, and he told me about what he does. And, man, we, we, we've been killing it. Yeah, James. James is like a saving grace to a lot of guys, even even myself, man. Like for him to give me the the time of day, and he's done the show twice already, and he's kind of giving me some connections. And and obviously, we've been talking, uh, DMing every now and then about fights that are coming up. Uh, a shout out to James, obviously out in Dublin yeah, yeah. right now. Yeah, but and one thing of, of doing this like the the last three months is like I've learned so much of like what to do and what not to do, and like yeah. when to chase, when not to chase, and like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, it's just, uh, you know, I'm learning on the job and, and I think I have gotten better and, 
it's uh i treat it just i treat it as if it's a job you know and i put a lot of time into this every week and it's uh it's fun man it's 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 around a, a sport that i love and i know i'm obsessed with so it's pretty cool man yeah, we're talking about how like there's another way that you can go out there and try to make money off stocks and all that type of stuff, but like it's a completely different language. Trust me, I was in the same boat where I'm like, I want to, I want to see the if AMC I can decipher GameStop this. I can't. Shit got yeah. me into it, dude. So I do that for legit eight months after practice. I'd get on Reddit and I'd look through these forums, and I'm like, dude, I swear this shit's in a different language. Like, yeah, I was right? losing money, dude. I ended up losing like almost three grand. Fuck. So I pulled all my money out of stocks, put it into different books, and I'm I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. I like to hear and that. It makes I you like watch fights that. differently, dude. It's yep. fun. It's uh, I enjoy this. Uh, I'm doing it regardless. Like, man, I would spend so much time watching tape, and now it's just for a different reason. Uh, shout out to involved. my shout out to my guy George Menexopoulos here. Does it help you as well as a fighter, Jeff? I'll ask you this last question. Hundred percent. Get into the breakdowns. Yeah. Uh, in, in what way? In what way? So, uh, man, I, I have a little coaching role at the gym too. So yeah. I'll watch tape for for some of our fighters, the the people I help out. And when you watch fights, you, you try to watch it from different perspectives. Um, uh, one as a fan, one, uh, as a coach. And I, when I, when I do it as a coach, I try to do both sides. Like I try to see what a guy's doing well mm-hmm. and wrong. And then I also try to see what will be guys doing well and wrong. And then from a betting perspective, it's completely different, man. Like, uh, you have to take into consideration the tape, the, the resume, who these people are fighting. There's so much that go that goes into play. And, uh, again it's just when you put that much time into the sport it it pays back to you you know it's um so as a fighter i get better from watching this tape i get better from seeing what bums this guy beat up and knowing names and it it helps out with with other other picks and plays and uh it just helps as a fighter and and in general too for 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 plays all right, all right. Let's uh, let's not waste too much more time. Let's get into what the people are here for, and they want obviously your thoughts on some of the fights that we got coming up tomorrow night. And funny enough, the first fight is actually in your division, the flyweight division. We got CJ Vergaro, who actually missed weight this morning by a pound and a half. Uh, didn't look the greatest on the scale, but it is what it is. He missed weight. Ode Osborne is his opponent in terms of odds. We got minus one seventy five on Ode Osborne, plus one fifty five on uh, CJ Vergara. Since this is your division. I'll actually let you kick this one off. How much do you know about these guys and who do you ultimately think ends up winning this fight? Man, I pay special, special attention to, to people in my weight class. So I know about these guys pretty well. Uh, Siege and I share, uh, share an opponent and uh, Jacob Silva, who I fought on, on Contender Series. <clears throat> man, uh, this is actually one, one of my favorite plays here. I, I like O'Day in this fight, man. Um, I, I don't think CJ's been tested. He got a good win on Contender Series over a tough, tough dude. I just think O'Day's going to have... Uh, going to cause some problems for for cj uh he's long he's lengthy for the weight class he's uh he's a lefty which can cause problems um and and he's super in and out like he's super bouncy on the feet and cj kind of plots forward has power in both hands um i just don't think he's gonna be able to find Oz, uh oday all, all fight um i also like the, the over one and a half in this man i like it a lot um interesting yeah i like it a lot the only thing that scares me about that is um i don't think cj has a has a good grappling base um and and o'day's uh, a motherfucker on on front headlock so i I can see o'day uh snatching up a choke but i really do like this fight i like o'day um i I think it's a it's a 30 27 uh unanimous decision uh i don't think it's it's a blowout i think it's like here and here but uh yeah i i see o'day just edging all three rounds 
yeah, I'm I'm on the same side as you with the the O'Day side. I am way more impressed with what I've been seeing from him. And although he did get knocked out in his last fight against Manel Cap, that was a fight that I actually had the under two and a half in. He didn't look that bad up until that flying knee. He was he was making a pretty good account of himself against Cap's a very a high level. Dude. Exactly dude. against a very high level guy in Manel Cap as well. I will say this possible early stoppage on that fight as well i know he got hit clean with that flying knee and i don't think he was 100 out he's pretty much back to his feet right away in that fight um so I, I don't think it's one of those situations where everybody's like dude he just got knocked out a couple months ago why would you bet on a guy like this and i don't think it's gonna have hinder or affect his performance here and yeah you're right in terms of cj regard there are issues on the ground that i've seen with him but it just doesn't seem like we've been seeing him have those issues over the last couple of fights because nobody's challenged him in that uh in that realm right yeah. uh, the fight that he got submitted in in 54 seconds was by a, a johnny bedford protege over there Evan miller i believe the kid's name was and he was able to snatch up that rear naked choke within 54 seconds but since then he's pretty much been fighting strikers he did fight a grappler in his Dana White contender series fight against bruno cohea but that fight lasted 40 seconds we even get to see that one really play out and i i was on cohea in that fight as i believed he'd be able to ground the fight with relative ease and and then go from work go to work from there with Ode Osborne, man, like you said, his choke series is nasty. I think he's very good at uh you know wrapping up anacondas and Dar's chokes his guillotine as well and i think uh from the outside kind of just being patient and waiting to counter at the proper time he will be able to catch for who's gonna have to close that distance at his at, at any point right he's not gonna want to stay at distance with a guy like oday once he does close distance i could see a club and sub opportunity i can see a knockout opportunity and that's kind of where we differ is uh you see this fight going the full 15 minutes i think the majority of the, the gambling community has that the fight doesn't go to decision parlayed in some way or form so i don't think many people in the chat right now are happy to hear that but again that's why we have have you on we we want the fighters perspective somebody that has kind of an inside uh tip of of the game uh is there something sp specific that leads you to believe that we'll see this fight go 15 or uh is it just a win yeah, yeah uh so like uh there's there's a couple of variables you miss weight um and, the, and then in the past cj has gotten tired man um cj cj's gotten tired uh, that third round with jacob silva he lost he, yeah. he lost that he kind of gave it up to be honest he kind of coasted that round he knew it was up to uh cj gets tired O'Day has finished fights in the past before. He's got pop, um, but he's another guy that he kind of loses that pop as the fight goes on. Um, you know, flywinds aren't really known to finish fights. Um, both these guys are finishers, though. Yeah. I, I don't. I have, a, I have an inkling that that this fight does go the distance. Um, again, I, I like O'Day in this fight a lot. Um, it's kind of one of my sure picks. I, I, I did put money on this earlier this week, and um, yeah, I, I like O'Day a lot in this fight. Again, just battle tested. Um, showed up on weight. Does, doesn't really get too tired, um, but I do see his, his pop fading as the fight goes on. I don't see him knocking out CJ, but I, I can't see him locking up a sub. That's the only thing that scares me about that over two and a half. But, uh, yeah, I do got O'Day by, by decision. All right, let's go. Let's go. I do have O'Day actually parlayed with something later on in this card, and we'll talk about that once we actually get to that matchup. So kind of happy you're on that as well. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Melsic Bagdazarian going up against LFA champ Bruno Souza, who was the other fighter that actually ended up missing weight uh, uh, this morning. Uh, he came in, I believe, two and a half pounds over. Didn't look to be in the greatest shape. In terms of stylistically how these guys match up, Melsic is one of those dudes out there that just goes and throws everything into all of his strikes. Like, even if he's in the third round he still somehow has some pop on his shots and uh it, it's amazing to really see him uh strike it and go out there and put that pressure on his opponents uh probably one of the you know most uh ideal regional scene performances for this guy right we're talking about he he lost his first ever mma fight then he went to boxing and kickboxing and came back five years later and goes uh, in in consecutive order 
14 second knockout, 32 second knockout, nine second knockout, nine second not too quick enough for you, seven second knockout in this next fight. Then he goes on to the contender series and fights Dennis Bazukia uh, and uh, goes the full 50 minutes. Seems like he dropped the second round there, but had enough gas in the tank to go out there in that third round and show that he wanted a little bit more, really put that pressure on Bazukia and took that decision just based off of that. And then obviously we saw him go out there and uh, finish Colin Anglin in the second round of his UFC debut. The guy looks like the goods, but that gas tank issue is eventually going to catch up to him, especially if he can go up against a guy that is going to be able to deal with that pressure early and then start to come on later. Now, I thought Bruno Souza could have a little bit of uh, liveness to him as, a, as an underdog here, considering his Machida as style. He's a little bit elusive at times in terms of being able to catch him, uh, but he is still damn hittable, especially in that first round. And you don't want to be a hittable guy against a power hitter like a guy like Masik Bagdasarian. Add in the fact that he looked like shit this morning, man. He did not look good at all on the scale. I do believe that Mausik is going to go out there and find that chin early in this fight and, and get that knockout. So I actually bet the under two and a half in this fight at plus 100. Uh, I thought that was a good spot. I do believe that this fight finishes way more than 50% of the time. And I do think that uh, Mausik Bagdasarian has that power to give Bruno Souza his first ever knockout loss. Uh, Bruno only lost his first ever fight and then went on a 10-fight winning streak. However, controversy lays in there as he did have that fight against Mike Hamill where Mike Hamill was able to kind of you know, just ground and pound him for two and a half rounds until unfortunately he uh, landed an illegal blow to the back of the head. You know, I'm not one of those guys sitting on my couch, keyboard warrior kind of guy trying to be like, I don't know if that was really as bad as he made it look, but uh, he, he kind of got away with one there, gets a disqu disqualification victory there, and then since then has still been undefeated. But now he comes in on a short notice replacement to fight Melsic, and I think he's a little, biting off a little bit more than he can chew here. So I like Melsic. Uh, his line is a little bit too high, so if you want to go out there and parlay him, I, I understand that. Uh, but his props are amazing, too. I think his knockout prop is roughly around plus 150. I think that's probably the best way to go about it. And then even what I did myself, which is the under 2.5 uh, plus 100, I think we see Melsic starts this dude within the first five minutes of this fight. How do you see this one going down, Jeff? Yeah, love that breakdown, lock. Uh, I agree with it to a T, man, 100%. Um, Melsic's a hammer, dude. Uh, he does. He does, uh, He does. has shown to have get tired but when you're putting everything in, everything to every strike it's uh it's gonna happen you know uh that contender series fight dude he was just slogging man everything he was throwing was with uh was with malicious intent and i think that's why he, he does get tired but it was cool to see him kind of get a, a second win in that fight and come back um yeah susan missing weight not really being a pressure fighter himself being kind of bouncing on his feet i don't i just don't see what he what he has for um for for melsic uh as far as maybe just having that MMA factor of having four ounce gloves on, maybe uh, Melsic can get caught. But yeah, I have Melsic pretty comfortably here. And I like that under two and a half, man. Uh, Melsic's not a slow starter. So uh, I like that a lot. Yeah, honestly, with Melsic, I'm just waiting for the opportunity to to bet against him because I know he's going to have a ton of hype on his name, right? Especially if he goes out there and keeps starching dudes. Uh, something that reminds me of a fellow guy that we're actually going to be talking about in a couple of fights, a fellow Armenian of his, Edmund Shabazin, going out there and just starching dudes really quickly. And then once he gets pushed, uh, you know, going into deeper rounds, that's where he starts to fade. And that's what we got in the Derek Brunson fight, being able to catch him as a plus 250 underdog uh, was freaking amazing. And people are just like, why are you betting on Brunson? Brunson's going to get starched. But, like, you got to look past guys that are just going out there and starching dudes in the first round. Melsic was that guy going into the contender series that people are like, okay, I'm taking Bazookia because he'll likely be able to survive early. But he showed us that he had that extra gear. But I still feel like 
you know, Bazookia didn't have the cardio that was needed to to deal with a guy like that. I feel like it's coming. It's it's going to be in his next couple fights that there's going to be a guy that can deal with that pressure early and then put it on him late. Bruno Souza is not that guy. 100%. And you got that knowledge going into that that future fight of like, man, I know this guy, uh, you know, that doesn't have that, that, that full gas tank at times. So, uh, yeah, I feel that way with the uh, – I think it might be the co-main event with the Rose fight. Like uh, there's yeah. not much to take from that, from the, that first, that first go yeah. around with Wiley. So it, it's hard when uh, these guys are, are starting people pretty quick. It's uh, not to talk about myself, but that's why I'm kind of happy. I got that, that 15 minutes of cage time at the highest level for my debut. Although I had a really shitty performance and arguably probably one of my worst performances. I still got 15 minutes of cage time in at the highest, at the highest level. So that's one of the, the pros I took away from that fight, but you're right in the sense that, it, it's hard to take things away from this fight when they're going out and, and knocking knocking someone out so quick. So uh, I agree with you, man. I am curious, actually, from a fighter's perspective, because I've had a fighter actually come on my YouTube channel before. I'm, you know, after he won as an underdog, he comes back and, and comes back and talks some shit, saying, "Oh, why'd you pick against me?" Blah blah blah, type of thing, right? Uh, do you kind of like seek out anything like before a fight to be like, okay, what do people think about this matchup, or you know, am I missing something? Do you, do you guys kind of lean on that, or is it just? I'm going to block everything out, listen to what James says, and listen to what my eyes are seeing uh, while I'm doing the tape as well. Do you guys listen to predictors, analysts, or anything like that? Yeah, uh, I don't. I, I, yeah. I don't, man. Um, yeah, I really don't. Um, I don't really go out seeking it. Um, maybe that I have gotten more into betting, uh, I'll, I might listen to, to something that maybe I'm on the card and I'll hear my name and maybe I'll pay attention to it. But yeah, I haven't in the past, but you know, who knows what uh maybe in the future i'll i'll start paying attention but i mean i, I don't really care what the odds say man like, of course there's there's so many variables that go into this and that's what's so cool about about this uh about about betting is like there's so many variables that go into the sport man like four ounce gloves on uh, anything can happen you got heavyweights like the heavyweight aspect you got like the like you know these guys either knock each other out in the first round or or, or get tired and just yeah. have their hands on their knees for the last two rounds and then the the aspect with the female fights like not a lot of not a lot of finishes and there's so much so many variables like someone can just go out there and slip on a banana peel and like tear exactly. their ACL, you know sean o'malley their foot so yep I, I love this man uh there's so many variables so i, I don't really i don't think I'll, I'll pay attention to the odds uh in that aspect but it's cool to, to hear someone like yourself break down fights man from from a outside perspective like uh <clears throat> you know you I, I think you do this for for a living or, or yep. you do this it's a lot frequently <laughs> so you know you put a lot of time and effort into this so it's cool hearing just an outside perspective so yeah maybe in the future i will listen to breakdown just to kind of get more intel on my opponent uh, i think my coach does a, an amazing job of doing that himself i think i do a pretty de decent job of doing that and then when we watch it together we kind of uh you know give our opinions about the fight and we come up with a game plan so uh yeah maybe in the future uh i'll pay attention to, to your to your predictions like well i'm not just saying myself but there's a plenty of other yeah, guys yeah. that do what i do as well no, I'm, I'm well i guess you guys heard, heard it here first jeff molina may be in your but youtube comment section very <laughs> appreciate that i appreciate that uh but yeah uh, you guys might see jeff molina in your comment section uh in the next couple months just just watch out for that all right let's move on to the next fight here we got uh I believe I classify Factory X as like the brother gym to uh, to to Glory MMA. Uh, so we got uh, uh, Factory X protege Dustin Jacoby jumping in on short notice here, taking on John Allen in the 205 pound division. In terms of odds, we got heavy chalk on Dustin Jacoby at minus 355. The return on John Allen at plus 320. 
I love me some just Dustin Jacoby in this spot, man. I I, I think he's a great striker. Uh, showed a very good game last time around against Darren Stewart. And one thing that I really like about his game is that he's doing a really good job in terms of never settling whenever getting taken down. The guy's always back to his feet. We saw it in the E1 Kutilaba fight where he gave up, I believe, eight or nine takedowns in that first round. And yeah, he was getting that beat on was a little bit. a lot bit. closer than, than people remember Sorry? it to be man that fight was a lot closer than people for sure it to be. for sure yeah uh, that, that first round again got taken down numerous times but the the reason he was getting taken down numerous times is because he, he kept getting back to his feet he never settles there's actually a, a bellator was on earlier today and there's one fight i can't remember off the top of my head where i saw the guy get taken down and you can almost see that moment of like he can either choose to keep moving and try to get back to his feet or he's going to settle back and kind of close his guard and he chose to close his guard and that kind of just pissed me off not saying i had any money on that fight but like there are certain fighters that will never accept that position where their back is on the mat and a guy like dustin jacoby is a perfect example of that we saw it played on the iwan kutilaba fight we saw it played on the darren stewart fight as well where he got taken down got right back to his feet and then started going to work with his hands and i think that we're going to see the same thing here against john molina um or sorry john molina, uh, john allen i apologize <laughs> there we go um uh, I've heard some people talking about, you know, short notice nature for this, uh, for Justin Jacoby here probably doesn't benefit him. But the guy waited at 203 pounds this morning, right? I mean, like, he seems like he was in shape, ready to go, didn't really have to kill himself to make the weight class. And now, stylistically, I think this is a great matchup for him. John, uh, John Allen, uh, whatever type of striker, you know, I'd say average level striker, he does a decent job in terms of mixing and takedowns, like we saw in his fight against Mike Rodriguez. Uh, but his issue there was not able to keep down Mike Rodriguez. Rodriguez kept getting back to his feet but it was obviously enough for john allen to win that fight however you saw that came knocking at his door and he did test positive after that fight which is why that that fight is now a no contest uh so he's still winless inside the ufc oh one and one or sorry oh one and no contest in the ufc now uh but stylistically speaking i think it's a great fight for jacoby i think he keeps it standing if he gets taken down gets back to his feet and then starts going to work with his hands i was trying to find out the method of victory which i would go with i'm leaning more so the decision i think we'll see a more technical type of performance from him leg kicks jab from the outside sticking and moving as best as possible possible i like uh, dustin jacoby here and i actually have him uh parlayed as well with something later on in this card um but yeah i, I like me some dustin jacoby here how are you feeling about this one brother yeah spot on again with the lock i feel the same way um man uh i like activity especially when, when, when putting money on it so dustin jacoby's been super active uh this since his contender series win and i, I think that that's going to benefit him um he, he comes from a kickboxing background uh Dude, this guy stays in the gym. You know, I know that just from, uh, like you said, we're kind of like a brother slash sister gym with Factory X. So I kind of have that that inside knowledge of knowing that Jacoby's constantly in the gym. So this really isn't short notice for him. Yeah. Uh, like you said, he came under the weight limit. Um, I just don't see what, what John Allen um, beats him. You know, I don't think he's an out-wrestle Jacoby. I don't think he's an outstrike Jacoby. I just don't see his method of victory here. I like Jacoby a lot in this fight, but I agree with you. Um, I, I got Jacoby by decision. Um, uh, we'll probably talk about this on the later fights, but again, man, I like people that, that are, that are active, uh, a fight, a fight that comes to mind is Bobby Green and, and, and Ally Quinta and then also yeah. Usman and Covington. Like, it's hard to, to put money on, on people that, that haven't, this is a, what have you done for me lately sport? And especially yeah. when you're putting money into this, man, I want, I want Intel and it's hard to get Intel from, from a fighter that's not fighting, not competing. So I like the fact that Jacoby's been competing frequently, taking fights on short notice. I think he took a, the Darren Stewart fight on short notice. Maybe? I believe that was short notice as well. Yes, you're correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's been staying active since contender series. I think we fought in the same season. I think he fought like a week after me or a week before me, man. I've only had two fights in the UFC, and I think this dude's had like four. 
uh, if not more. Uh, this may be his yeah, five. Yeah, he fought, he fought week one of the Contender Series, which was uh, the first weekend of August, and then he's beaten Justin Ledet, Maxime Grishin, the draw with Kutulaba, and then the Darren Stewart one. And yeah, you're right. He, he's fighting now. Fuck, man. I'm jealous, fifth, You got to catch dude. up, Jeff. Stop yeah, slacking. Well, dude, I was, I, two fights got scratched. Man. I was supposed to fight in November right off Contender Series. He got COVID, and then um, January I was supposed to fight, and I got, got the Rona. So, yeah, it's a bummer, dude. That, that, that makes me uh, – a little salty when I see people on my season. I already have like five. This guy's about to have his fifth fight in the UFC. I'm like, fuck, dude. But it's all right, man. <laughs> Slow I'm down, young and I get better every day, but yeah, it's all good though. Uh, yeah, regard- by decision. I love it. Love it. Uh, in regards to your relationship with Factory X, have you ever been up there to train? Do they normally have guys coming back and forth? Like, uh, what's that relationship like? Yeah, uh, I've been there once, man. Uh, I-, I was I was in town. Uh, I wasn't going to tell James that I was in town just because he was like a week out from his fight. Uh, I forgot who he was fighting. He, it was, his fight was in Brazil, and uh, it was like a week before he was supposed to fly out. So I didn't want to bother him. I was just uh, in town for a little vacation, and then he saw that I posted like on Instagram that I was in Denver. Or, like I posted like at a restaurant or something. He's like, hey, fuck, are you here? And you're not going to say anything. So <laughs> I was like, hey, man, I didn't want to bother you a week before your fight. Like, you know, and he's like, no, come get some work. So I, I uh, he held this for me. and. I mean, this a week before his fight, like he didn't have to do that. Um, but I've never actually like trained there, gotten to uh, like roll or, or or spar with any of the guys there. But we've had a couple guys come down to to Glory, and, and I've gotten to go with them. So uh, yeah, I'm actually in uh, in Denver on Wednesday, so maybe I can get some work while, while I'm up there. Nice shout out to Mark Montoya, the genius up there in Colorado as well. He's the man. Our- I love him. I love him. I'm trying to. I'm. I'm lining him up to come on the show as well too. I was trying to get. Heck him yeah, man. He'd be, he'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I know he had uh, Jacoby and uh, and uh, Williams also fighting on this card, so I don't want to bug him too much. Some coaches uh, are like, B, hey, huh? uh, sorry, I was Plan B. Whoa! Hey, no, no, no. <laughs> I honestly, I like kind of. Matt, there's a couple guys that I kind of just reach out to and be like, "Hey, would you be down for this and see who's down?" And then try to schedule it that way. In regards to, uh, in regards to coaches coming on, right? I've had a couple coaches that were in the hotel while, like, the day before the fight with their with their fighter and stuff. Uh, I think it was uh, the the fight ready guys uh, when he had Haile Yelatang going up against. Uh, I can't remember the name of uh, the fighter, uh, Ryan Benoit. I think he was fighting, and uh, yeah, he just shows up in the stream like behind the coach talking to him. Like, I feel so bad right now. You guys are like, you know, you guys are training for a fight tomorrow, getting ready for a fight tomorrow. He goes, nah, it's all good, man. Don't worry about it. Like, I love talking fights, whether it's before a fight, the day of the fight, no matter what. I think it was Santino DeFranco from uh, Fight Ready as well that, that was doing that. So shout out to him. So I appreciate those guys taking the time to come on and do the show yourself as well. I'm not sure what your plans were, were for tonight anyway, Jeff. What, what 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 does the typical Friday night look for Jeff Molina? I was going to watch LFA. I'm still going to watch LFA here in a bit, man. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, just uh, you, got any bets? You, you got any bets you want to quickly share, like from LFA that uh, you got? Yeah, I just put some in. Uh, I actually had a couple people in the shout out to my guy Ryan Grant saying LFA picks tonight. Question mark. Let's see if uh, Jeff Molina can help you guys make some money tonight. <laughs> and uh, let's see who I had. Sorry, man. Give me a sec. No worries. Hold no on my book here. Look at that, you guys get not just UFC picks, y'all again, some LFA picks too. Some real degenerate shit down here. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Some real degenerate shit. I love that. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, man. So I got him early. Um, the oh, I can't say this dude's name. Batsum Barrel. Sheesh. Um, I got him at minus 600, you. man. Um, I, I know that's still pretty bad, but he's at minus 1100 right now. Yeah. I like the under two and a half. Uh, I got that at minus one eighty five. Nice. Um, 
I like that a lot. And then I'm taking the the dog. I'm not sure if it's the main event or co-man. Uh, I think it's co-man. The it's a flyweight fight. Mark Lamako oh, and yeah. uh, Yuma Horiuchi. Yeah, I like Horiuchi at, at plus two seventy five. Uh, I did a quarter of a unit there just because the odds are too good um, to show otherwise. Man, I think Horiuchi won that title fight against Charles Johnson uh, a couple months ago. I had him winning it pretty clearly. Uh, the fight was close, but like I thought it was – I don't remember the rounds exactly. I think maybe it was like 3-2 or maybe 4-1 that I had it scored. But I had Horiuchi winning comfortably, and uh, I thought he got snubbed. He's he's really good, man. He, he's super talented. I don't think his record reflects that. Uh, so, and Klamako is really good himself. I, I just think Horiuchi has what it takes to, to beat him. Uh, I think he should be the LFA champ right now. So uh, those were my two pick, two or three picks that I had. Uh, it's not worth putting money on the, the guy's name that I can't pronounce now, <laughs> but I still like the under two and a half. I think it's at, it's at minus 215 right now. Do, do you have any, a quick take on the main event between Ricardo Diaz and Michinori Tanaka, former UFC fighter Michinori Tanaka? To be honest, I don't know much about Ricardo okay. Diaz uh, enough to, to be comfortable with uh, giving a breakdown or even a play. That's um, right. But yeah, I am excited to watch that. Uh, that that the Asian dude is tough, dude. Like, he's a scrapper. Yeah. I, I saw. I think that they posted like his highlights on on the LFA page. I'm like, Jesus, this dude can scrap. Michinori Tanaka and Kyung Ho Kong, uh, a UFC fight from like I think UFC 160 something. Probably one of the best grappling fights I've ever seen. Like these guys back and forth reversals for days. Man. Yeah, those guys were uh, probably one of the best fights ever. Anytime anybody asks me what are your top five fights, that's one of them I throw in there if you don't mind some grappling you'll definitely enjoy that one all right let's move on to the next fight here we got gian volante going up against chris barnett gian volante from what i heard was supposed to be coming in better shape because you know since his heavyweight debut this guy's been 255 i think was his first fight 250 243 was his next fight and i was expecting maybe a high 230 ish you know there's apparently this is supposed to be his retirement fight the guy comes in in a nice sturdy 261 this morning and it didn't even look like he gave a shit either and that is very concerning for me as well if, especially if i'm looking to invest money into this guy it almost seems like he didn't even train for the fight i mean it just seemed like you know he was taking it as a joke you know rubbing his belly doing all that type of shit doing some dumbass stuff on the on the scale there uh, I, i'm not a big fan of gian volante at, you know as a, as a gambler uh you know especially uh, losing the fight that he, the way that he did against uh maurice green you know maurice green had like a, a dars from under him or something like that and it fat just seemed like yeah. Yeah, yeah, fat man joke. there we go and uh from exhaustion pretty much we see yeah. gian volante tap there uh so you know that alone is just a huge red flag for me i actually ended up fading him in his next fight uh with jay collier and made some good underdog money off of that shout out to my guy the high Hybrid Jake Collier, uh, or I, I think his name is still Jake after everything that he's been through. Anyway, uh, he's going up against uh, Chris Barnett, the beast boy, uh, Huggy Bear. Uh, obviously, he made his debut against Ben Rothwell a couple months ago, came up short in that fight. Another fight where he looked like he just completely gassed out and kind of just uh, gave up to that choke that Ben Rothwell was throwing out there. You know, shout out to Ben Rothwell, very tight grip, very, very, uh, you know, has very crazy squeeze. Uh, if you guys remember his fight against excuse me, the other Barnett, Josh Barnett, to be able to get him in a choke like that was absolutely crazy as well. Uh, in regards to this fight, Jeff, I, I want nothing to do with it, man. Like, you don't know who's going to be in better shape. It almost comes down to who won't gas first. That's probably going to be the guy that ends up winning. I've seen the consensus favorite play this week has been the over one and a half where these guys are probably just going to, you know, lay on each other or something like that, push each other up against the cage. I think if there is an early finish here, it probably comes from the Chris Barnett side thing, Chris Barnett side things, given how explosive he is. Uh, but I feel like we're going to see Gian Vellante go out there and um, as the famous glory MMA guy say, cook him. 
Let's go out there, drag him to the ground, and just try to uh, you know lay on top of him uh, and, and just get some top pressure going, control time, get the judges in our favor. Uh, I am leaning Gian, uh, but my money is coming nowhere near this fight at all. Like I, I can't trust either guy. Do you have uh, a strong lean on either side of this fight, or are you kind of in the same realm as me? I'm picking Violante by decision. Zero confidence. How do you feel about this one? Man, uh, I'm I'm kind of the complete opposite. I, I'm all over this one, man. I'm all Ooh. over this one. I'm I'm balls deep in this one. I got all my money Let's on go, it. Jeff. Uh, <laughs> I like Barnett a lot in this fight, man. Okay. Um, uh, what, what concerns me is the, his level of competition in the past, but at this point, I don't think it matters with 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 his opponent. Delonte is uh, I feel like he's been halfway out. You know, one foot in, one one foot out for for a pretty long time now. Um, the fact that he announced this is a retirement fight kind of just solidifies that that point. I think since his heavyweight move, he's been that way uh, of not really wanting to do this, but kind of just doing this for a check. You know, he's yeah. been more of a family man or for whatever reason, he's not, you know, dedicating his, his life to the sport to the point where you can't make 205 anymore. And he doesn't look like an athlete at, at heavyweight. I think 205 was his weight class, whether it was a tough cut or not. I think if, if he would have talked to the right person, he could have made it comfortably. I just don't think he, he, Wanted to dedicate the time uh, he needs to, to to make that weight class and, and to train to get down to that weight. So, I like Barnett a lot in this fight, man. I also like that under or over one and a half that you mentioned a lot uh, enough to put multiple units on it. Wow, um, let's go. Uh, I, I really like it, man. I, I really do. Um, this wasn't my idea. This is something I stole. Uh, so I should have prefaced it with that. I got that. I got this pick from James. Um, but the more I thought of it, dude, the, the more I liked it. Uh, it made sense to me. I really like the over one and a half. Um, but I also like Barnett straight. I think it's a, it's a pretty dead even fight, if I'm not right, I'm not wrong. Uh, uh, I believe uh, Gian Volante was a minus 130 favorite okay. last time I checked, and right now he is sitting at minus 125. So a little bit of money coming on, on the Barnett side of things. Yeah, yeah. Man, uh, yeah, look like look like Dookie at weigh-ins. Uh, <laughs> the, the fact that he, he announced his retirement beforehand, I never liked that, man. And, yeah. Uh, at this point, I think he's just fighting for the check, and you know, um, I wish him nothing but the best outside of the sport. And uh, you know, he's he's had a ton of fights, man. Like, I I think he uh, he, he signed with he Strike Force. Uh, yeah, he fights Sam Alvey. He signed with Strike Force in 2011, and then obviously came over in the merger as well. So you got to believe his his he has check a win over Corey is Anderson, nice. though. Uh, he does, yes. Surprisingly, yeah, so a win this, over Corey Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So this guy's arguably the goat. <laughs> uh, no, uh, no, but he's been around forever, man, and I, I respect that. I just don't think he's uh, he wants to do this anymore. So I, I think uh, that's one thing that does concern me is that he might uh, he might look for that Maurice Green way out of this fight and, and give up, which would ruin that that over one and a half. But uh, they're both durable people, so as long as Volante doesn't doesn't quit, I, I can see uh, I can see that over one and a half hitting and uh, it'd be straight to the bank for me. Let's go, Jeff. Uh, the last time Gian Volante got a decisive victory was uh, December of 2016, where he knocked out Sapper Beg Safarov, handing him his first ever loss. But he did manage to win two more fights after that, but they were split decisions over Francis Marbojos and uh, Ed Herman. But uh, yeah, he's definitely not looking like what we used to think of him. And uh, yeah, again, it's a reluctant pick on my end for the Volante side. So I completely understand the Chris Barnett side of things. All right, let's keep this train moving along. We have Factory Factory X fighter here. Uh, Jordan Williams taking on UFC debutant Ian Gary, who's making his UFC debut here. Now, I believe that this is the second training camp that Jordan Williams is going to be having over there at Factory X. His first one obviously came against Mickey Gall, where he got stung right off the bat. And it didn't even seem like he recovered from getting dropped that early and then quickly found himself in a choke after that with Mickey Gall. And, you know, Gall 
I think he's a below average fighter inside the UFC, but he has some pretty damn good uh, jujitsu and he was able to put that on Jordan Williams here and ended up getting the tap in terms of odds. We're looking at minus 370 here for Ian Gary and plus 330 for Jordan Williams. I, I want to be as respectful as possible about fighters, but I don't think that Jordan Williams really has what it takes to cut in the UFC. I think Aaron, Ian Gary is the truth, and I know I do believe that he's going to go out there and face some resistance in the UFC at some point. I just don't know if Jordan Williams is going to be the guy to do so. The only real chance I'm getting Jordan Williams, to be honest, is a Hail Mary KO. Outside of that, I think Ian Gary does a really good job in, com in terms of controlling the distance. And, and now, obviously, trained down there at Sanford MMA, he was kind of booted from his training camp before his last fight, uh, finding a great home in Sanford MMA, which I hold in very high regard. Got to believe that the, uh, Henry Hooft and those guys down there are going to have him ready to go in this fight against a guy like Jordan Williams. Uh, I I'm thinking... Ian Gary, probably first or second round submission. I think he hides his takedowns very well behind his, behind his striking. And from there, he should be able to get this fight to the ground and then do some work from that top position. Um, yeah, I, I'm not high on, on Jordan Williams. I think that that Gregory Rodriguez went on the contender series was probably the pinnacle of his career at this point in time, especially considering how good Gregory Rodriguez is doing inside the UFC. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it's it's going to take another Hail Mary KO for him to to climb this, uh, this mountain here of Ian Gary. Uh, how familiar are you with these guys, especially Ian Gary? And what do you think his potential is like? And then obviously, who do you think ends up winning this scrap? Laka, I'm pretty familiar with both dudes. Uh, I've been a fan of Gary's, uh, you know, with all his work outside the UFC, and now he's finally in the UFC, and, and I think uh, he's going to have some some good success here, man, uh, especially in this fight. I, I don't see what Jordan Williams has has for him. Um, uh, like you mentioned, I think uh, Williams does have the knockout power to get her done. I just don't see it happening. I like the the move to, to Sanford for Gary. Uh, I got a buddy that trains there, and uh, – some little insider knowledge is that Gary's a motherfucker in the gym, dude. That's he's go. super talented. That's what we're here for. <laughs> he's, he's really good. Um, uh, with with top like high level people, people that are fighting uh in late uh, later later that night on as a as the opener on, on that on that uh main card. So I heard he does really well against those guys. And um, yeah, yeah, I got Gary pretty pretty decisively. What are, what are the odds on that fight? Do you know, uh, he he's a big favorite. He's like minus three seventy. I actually have him parlayed uh, with Oday Osborne. That's the play that I have. I got two units on them at plus one hundred six. Yeah, just straight bet. Uh, a parlay, yeah, just, just straight okay. up money line yeah. parlaying them. Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, I like that man. I also don't mind the the under two and a half on, on that. I think uh, Gary can uh, can pull off a, a submission. I don't like uh, Williams's ground game at all. Uh, really, his only chance I see is, is a knockout. So I got I got Gary comfortably, and uh, I, I don't mind the under two and a half on that. I love it. Speaking of Ireland, obviously, Headmaster James Cross is over there and just had to have that fight with uh, with Gallagher and, and Patchy Mix. Did you happen to catch that fight? And uh, yeah. if so, what, what what were your thoughts on that fight? Patchy Mix is a motherfucker, isn't he? Yeah, man. Uh, dude, let's talk about that walkout first. Fucking oh a, dude. That's God. some legendary that goat shit, dude. That was, that was awesome, dude. I got goosebumps. I had to stand yeah. up, dude. I was in the middle of a nap, and I was like, I woke up as he was walking out. So yeah, I'm not sure if Patchy walked out first, but yeah, Holy he did. Shit, man, that that was nuts. Uh, yeah, that that was incredible. Like, that, dude, I, I I want that one day. I want to experience right. that walkout one day. That was in sick. Jersey one day. In Jersey, yeah, yeah, friends Jersey. Family around. Yeah, yeah, or or Columbia, man. If I could bring a a card to oh, even better, yeah, Columbia, Columbia for sure. That that'd be sick. But uh, yeah, man, uh, Gallagher looked good. Um, I I hate the the hail mary D teams he was going for. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like after the first two don't work, stop. You know. Yeah. Uh, 
or after really after the first one because that first one or, no maybe it was the first or second one of them was really tight so after you, you lock it up as tight as you can and you still don't get it like that that should be your, your green light to not do it again um but he looked good on the feet man his strike yeah. has improved so much it, it was less of that karate bouncing and, and more of just like uh kind of uh dustin poirier step throughs and he was finding patchy a lot with those uh poirier's really good at that step through where he switches his stance and then brings a a big a uh, big overhand off that stance switch and there's a lot of pop behind it when he does so um and, and gallagher was finding patchy a lot in, in that second round with that step through i thought he looked good uh i thought the first round was close could have went either way uh, i'm a little biased so i gave that first round to gallagher uh, so i had a one one going to the third and i just think he, he got caught um you know, I think Patchy was smart to uh, to start initiating the grappling a little bit more after after getting clipped a couple of times. He's like, ah, fuck this. Um, and obviously, it was an area where he was, uh, <clears throat> I don't want to say better than, but just more proficient in uh, in this fight. Uh, I got to think that that the size he had helped. You know, he's a big fucking dude, man. Yeah. He uh, he had a grappling um, at high roll. You know what that is, Locke? Yeah, yeah, with yeah. Temelia. I saw yeah, that. I actually had James the, the, on my show like the day that happened, okay. which was hilarious. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the high rollers event, you know, they're they're doing a jujitsu uh, fight. I hate what they call it fights, but a jujitsu match. A match for uh, yeah, yeah, uh, for a pound of weed, which is pretty cool. Yeah, uh, he weighed in at one seventy nine, bro. Oh wow, he's a thirty five. I, I I've been in the sport a, a pretty long time. I've seen some big thirty fivers. I've never seen a thirty five walk at one eighty. That's a big so, boy. Uh, contractually, he had to be under one eighty. So I was thinking <laughs> maybe he was even bigger than that, you know, and then just dieted down to one seventy nine um so he was 179 and then tim was 136 so wow i didn't realize that dynamic actually i just you know i just assumed he's a big dude and just carries the weight well but god damn that's crazy yeah yeah and miss weight for for his fight with uh with gallagher today uh or yesterday i should say when he weighed in um yeah i I just think it's a little disrespectful to to not only miss weight but like not really care about it man it's disrespectful to to your opponent uh to the promotion uh to, to the co-main event slot you're in like i know people that would chop their left nut off to, to be in that yeah. co-main, co-main event slot and dude this fucker was eating a hot dog at <laughs> at this high rollers thing two weeks ago oh and, my uh, god like, I, I saw a picture of him eating a hot dog taken from one of my uh one of my teammates <laughs> she was showing me and it's like man that's just like disrespectful at this point of like course. dude uh you know i cut a good amount of weight to make the flyweight limit and uh you know i make a lot of sacrifices to do so and i know it sounds like i'm bitching but a lot of fighters do man a lot of fighters i have it's to weigh out every every meal yeah so i just think it's a little disrespectful for that dude to to, to be missing like that and and you got to think like i'm pretty sure that's a stat too lock you would know you, you make a lot of uh, a lot of picks and plays here like people that miss weight most like like usually win the fight right isn't that a stat like there was there was something at the there's there something i think it was at the beginning of this year or last year where there was like a crazy run that everybody who missed weight was always winning their fights i think say it's kind of subsided now where it's kind of a little bit of half and half but there was a point in time where like everybody who missed weight was was killing and and and, and winning so uh yeah obviously with patchy mix's game and style he wanted that extra weight too and i definitely helped him out in there but that guy has a nasty nasty guillotine that he's able to yeah. snatch onto some people and obviously it's a skillful dude it's that, yeah. that, that part of missing weight uh I absolutely me. understand that um but yeah obviously a skillful dude great grappler uh nasty on the back and obviously it has a nasty uh nasty guillotine uh yeah. i knew he was nasty uh, off the back but i didn't realize how uh how sharp his guillotine was 
yeah, uh, shout out to my guy Ryan Grant here who said Ireland didn't get today, but they're definitely getting it tomorrow with our guy Ian Gary. So hopefully he comes through. All right, let's move on to the next fight. We got Edmund Shabazin uh, going up against Nasruddin Imovov. In terms of odds, we got minus 115 for Imovov, plus 105 the return on Edmund Shabazian. Now, I was really waiting for the line movement on this because I was, uh, first of all, I was predicting I thought Imovov was going to blast off to like a minus 200 because he opened up minus 120, uh, got bet up to minus 160, and then the money came back in on Edmund Shabazian. Now we have a near pick of fight. Uh, before I give my thoughts on this, I'll actually swing it on over to you. Do you have any thoughts about this matchup and what side are you leaning on? To be honest, I don't, man. I don't know much of Imov. Um, I, I know of Edmund. Uh, I know him pretty well. Uh, he's trained by the GOAT. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't this know is why your social media game is blowing up, Jeff. Let's go. <laughs> Keep going. My man. Uh, yeah, I don't know much of Imov, man. I should have done more research on this. Uh, uh, on this cat before I, I got on. I actually looked at the card right before I got on. I was like, fuck, I don't know who this dude is. <laughs> no um, worries. No but worries. I'm looking at his record right now. And, oh, I do remember his fight with Ian Heinish. Uh, yeah. I just what don't what know can you tell us about Edmund, to, uh, though? If, you, if you're familiar with him, what, 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 what can you tell us about him and what are yeah, your thoughts about him? Uh, just just kind of the obvious, man. Like, he, he kind of got sprouted into that, that main event slot or co-main event slot, whatever it was, against Derek Brunson. A, a little too early, in my opinion. Um, I think he's a prime example of what I don't want in my career, man. I, I want to work my way up. And, uh, you know, I'm in no hurry to, to get to the title. And I, and I feel like he was, you know, there, there was a lot of hype behind him, which is fine. Just uh, you, you got to be smart. Um, I don't want to say in picking fights, but just, just in this game, like, like people are telling me, like, dude, you should fight a top 10 guy next. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm still on a contender series contract, you know? Like, yeah. I get better every fight. I get better every day in the gym. I'm 24 years young. And I know I'm talking about me again, but this, I'll relate this back to Edmund. Uh, it's, it's just like. I don't want to rush anything, man. Uh, I, I'm cool with fighting every single person in this flyweight division on my way to a title shot, if, if need be. I'm okay with that title shot coming down four years down the line at 28, 29, 30 even. I'm in no hurry, man. Um, and, and I feel like Edmund was a prime example of getting um, skyrocketed a little too early. Um, uh, he's a talented dude. Sharp boxing. I don't think he's defensively sound is my only um, is my only problem with Edmund. I, would, I shouldn't say only problem. I also think uh, – he needs to work on his takedown defense a little bit, but uh, I don't think he's defensively sound. He doesn't bring his punches back to his face. Uh, he's sharp. Like he has this, uh, he has this ability to turn over his punches at the last second, give a little whip at the end, and, and I feel like that's how he's been able to put people away. But I, I don't think he's that defensively sound. I don't know much about Imov. I think I'm butchering his last name. Um, Nailed it. But uh, that's it. All right. Uh, I don't know if he's a striker or a grappler, but. If he is a good striker, that's the one thing that would concern me about Edmund is just that he's not that defensively sound. He has this like high guard type style. Um, I, I would say Piotr Jan, yes, but people people sleep on the fact that Piotr Jan not only has keeps his high guard but moves his head as he does it. I think that that's fucking huge. I think people really don't don't realize that or ID that um, he has that traditional Thai high guard style, but he moves his head as he does it, which you don't see a lot with the ties. It's very. Uh, just keep that shell up in front of you, right in front of your face. But Peter Jan's moving his head as he does it. Edmund does not. Um, and then as far as his takedown defense, we saw in that Derek Bronson fight that that needs some work. Um, is he come? Is has he fought since then, or is, was that his he, last fight? Uh, the Jack Hermanson fight was his last fight. That's so right. yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's where uh, he he looked really good in the first round. Sharp boxing was sticking and moving very well. Uh, defended a couple of takedowns, but then in the second round. 
it, the main issue that I have with him is his cardio. And that's where I think they really start to come into play. That's where we saw Jack start to land takedowns. And then, you know, he really started to gas in that third round. And we saw Jack Hermanson get a 10-8 on all three judges' scorecards there to, to decisively finish off that fight. Um, th that's my main issue with Edmund Shabazi. And I can't bet on a guy that I can't trust his gas tank. Because if he can't go out there and, you know, destroy the guy in the first round, you're kind of screwed in the next two rounds. So that's kind of like principle number one for me. Don't bet on gasters unless I see a very high chance that they can win in this first round uh i have to sit back and kind of take a back step and just just watch the fight so in this fight particularly with imovov imovov was a guy that i actually faded last time around with ian heinish because i thought heinish would be able to get him down kind of grind him out and, and just take him into deep waters that's kind of something that phil hawes did in the past and that was you know a very uncharacteristic phil hawes because that was a phil hawes that you know used to dead dudes in round one and then around two he'd gas out himself and get deaded himself uh shout out to fellow mma uh, glory mma guy Joel, uh, julian marquez who's kind of doing that to, to phil haas as well so seeing phil haas go out there and control imovov up against the cage and not let him get his game going which is kind of range striking and pinpoint striking from the outside uh i thought that ian heinish would give him a much more difficult time but it seemed like in between those fights that imovov made tremendous improvements digging under hooks getting off the cage pivoting off the cage getting back to the the center of the cage and really kind of letting striking go from that which is why he finished ian heinish in that second round because ian was really like starting to get into desperation while trying to get this fight to the ground now i expect this fight to kind of be uh even in the first round uh but edmund shabazi i think he could go out there and try to land some takedowns early and try to control him from on top however jeff you know this as well as just as a fighter the most draining part of the mma game is the grappling game and if he's going to go out there and try to you know cook uh mr uh imovov here i think he's going to gas himself up doing so if he especially if he doesn't get the finish and then in the second and third rounds i think imovov is going to start to pick him apart so uh, i was waiting to bet imovov as an underdog it doesn't look like that's going to happen so i might just end up pulling the trigger anyway as a minus 115 under, uh slate favorite pick mods whatever you want to call it but i'm also going to be taking the round three prop here which i believe is in the uh let me just quickly get that number <clears throat> imovov to win around one plus ten thousand or plus thirteen hundred based on which bookies that you're looking at i think he's very live to go out there and finish edmund sabazian uh especially late in this fight it looks like his cardio is improving as well which is great so, uh, yeah, I like Imovov here, and uh, I think he gets it done late in this fight. So you can go ahead and sprinkle that round three prop, Jeff, whenever you get the time. All right, let's move on to the next love fight it. here. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you yeah. as far as the assessment of, like, betting on people that, that had the gas tanks fail on them, right? Or yeah. they gassed in fights in the past, man. Um, unless the fight's on short notice and they have an excuse for, for that, I, I agree. Uh, that and quitting, man, those are the two things yeah. that I have a hard time. Like, once you quit in the past, that's kind of changed for me, man. Like. Charles Oliveira is the world champ now. And this is yes, the best fight yes. before. So I used to think once a quitter, always a quitter. But I feel like that's something you can you can train to get out of. I feel like that's something you can fit, fix in the training room. Like, it's going to take some time. But I feel like you can fix that in, in the lab. Um, but, yeah, those are the two two things that in the past um, would make me hesitate on, on, on picking you. Is if you quit or you'd gas. With Edmund, it was hard to see the – him gassing just because he was getting people uh, out of there so early. But yep. in those fights you mentioned with Hermanson and um, and Brunson, really, uh, th those are sharp reminders of uh, of him getting tired. Yep. 
what really put me on Derek Brunson against Edmund Shabazzian was uh, Edmund's fight against Darren Stewart. We saw that go for 15 minutes. Uh, and then in that last round, Edmund was dead tired. Like he had his wrestling to kind of lean on there. And Darren Stewart, not the greatest wrestler himself. And we saw Edmund Shabazzian landing the takedowns and kind of controlling him there. Whereas Derek Brunson, you're not taking Derek Brunson down if you're tired. And we saw exactly that happen. And Derek Brunson was able to, to get that finish late. So that was kind of my thinking there. All right, we still got a, a several fights to run through here. So let's let's pick this up a little bit because I do want to respect your time and, and not make you sit here all freaking night. Uh, let's get Phil Hawes and Curtis, Chris Curtis underway here. In terms of odds, we're, we're looking at uh, minus 290 now for Phil Hawes and plus 260 for Chris Curtis. Chris Curtis finally making his long-awaited UFC debut. This guy has a tremendous wealth of experience under his belt. I believe this is going to be his 35th professional fight, but the guy has been everywhere. He's he's even a champion up here in Canada in some weird organization. Uh, but uh, in his last two fights alone, like this lets you know he just wants to go out there and fight. And obviously, most importantly, I think he wanted to make it to the UFC. But last three fights alone, he fought at 205, fought at 185, and fought at 170. And now he's taken on uh, Phil Hawes here at 185 pounds. I'd be surprised if he doesn't go back to 170 pounds for his next fight, especially if he wants to try to make it in the big show here. But uh, interesting matchup, man. He, he's a veteran. Uh, he was in the PFL. He only lost to the top two guys in the welterweight division in Ray Cooper and Magomed Magomed Karabov. But the intriguing fight, uh, thing about that Magomed Karabov fight is yeah, he got taken down uh, plenty of times in that fight, but he kept working his way back to his feet. Unfortunately, he was up against the clock, which is why he didn't end up getting the finish here. Uh, and we can see the same thing here, where Phil Hawes being the bigger guy, better wrestler, could possibly get him down, grind him out. But in every single Phil Hawes fight, whether he wins or loses, the guy gets rocked, the guy gets hurt, he gets close to getting finished. And I feel like Chris Curtis could absolutely pull off an upside here and get a finish as well. But uh, I'm not trusting Phil Hawes. You know, my, my official prediction is going to be Phil Hawes by decision. I think he just controls Chris Curtis too much, just being the bigger guy. I think he is getting smarter and better. Uh, but the only sprinkle that I'm doing here is uh, another round three sprinkle here. I'm going uh, Chris Curtis round three, uh, which pays plus uh, 15.50 now. It seems like money is coming in on it now. That's the only sprinkle I'm taking on this fight, but I am leaning with Phil Hawes with the stronger wrestling. And uh, Chris Curtis, again, I hate using the word journeyman, but I think that's kind of what uh, what what uh, what uh, category he's in at this time. And even though he's making his UFC debut, it's going to be difficult for him. You know much about these guys? What, what's your take on this fight? Yeah, yeah, sure do, man. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head there with uh, with your assessment or both those guys. Uh, Chris Curtis has been around for forever. Uh, he's got a good resume on him. You know, uh, did great things in, in PFL and other organizations. Um, and only lost to, to those top dudes, Ray Cooper and that Russian cat. Like those, those are no losses to hang your head on. I think his weight class is 170. Um, yeah, I, I like Phil Hawes here a lot. What, what's kind of uh, was kind of shocking was uh, Phil Hawes saying no to the fight a couple weeks ago. Yes, that um, was intriguing. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I really like the fight for Hawes. Uh, so the, the fact that he said, I mean, obviously it's it's paying off now. They're on a bigger card and. And uh, the fight's still happening, but I don't know if he needed more time to, to game plan or, or whatnot. But the fact that uh, Chris Curtis weighed in and, and it was it was Haas that said no to the fight, it was kind of interesting. I don't think that'll be a factor in the fight, but yeah, I got Haas by by decision, and uh, I see it being pretty easy. And I, th I think Curtis may have a little more success than at, than down at one seventy. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. And we actually talked a little bit about it early. We got Ally Quinta going up against Bobby Green. In terms of odds, we got minus 175 for Bobby Green, plus 155 for Ally Quinta. Now, Ally Quinta has not been active whatsoever. And it almost seems like he's just taking this fight just to take it, just because it's at Madison Square Garden. Last time we saw him compete was UFC 243. 
where Dan Hooker dismantled them over 15 minutes and he ended up losing a decision in that fight. Uh, before that, headlined the UFC Ottawa card up here in Canada against Donald Cerrone, lost a fight by decision. But it was really that Kevin Lee fight before that that really kind of like brought his love for the game back, it seemed, right? He was a big underdog in that fight against Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee was surging at that time. Uh, but then Ally Quinta just absolutely shut that shit down and beat him over 25 minutes. Uh, however, now, like I said, it seems like he has a foot and a half out the door. It doesn't even really seem like he's there for it, right? If I'm not mistaken, the UFC announced this fight even before he signed the contract. And he's just like, eh, you know what? It's at MSG. Let's do it. And for the UFC side of things, it's like, let's just throw this guy on the card because he's a local favorite, right? People love him up there in that New York area. Uh, and, and they want to go out there and see him fight. He has a great personality, has a fun fighting style as well. And now let's match him up against a guy like Bobby Green, who's fun in his own right. My issue with the Bobby Green side of things is no matter how big of a favorite or if he's the underdog, whatever it is, he always has close fights. And, you know, the, the, when it comes to the judge's decision, you can make a case that he won the fight. You can make a case that he lost the fight, especially in his last two fights against Rafael Fiziev and then um, the uh, uh, Tiago Moises was the other one that he fought as well. Uh, Bobby Green, the veteran of the game, I think he's great all around. Does a good job in terms of getting back to his feet when he gets taken down. His highlight is obviously his striking great striking great combinations moves forward really has that swag about him too to kind of just really feel himself and get that combination and that flow going and then ally quinta you know he can lean on his wrestling if he wants but i don't think it's going to be a, a tremendous difference maker here i do think that we'll see bobby green deal with that perfectly and i truly think for ally quinta like his best shot of winning this fight is catching bobby green with something and putting him out uh the the main play i was looking at was at the over two and a half right it's been a long time since either of these guys have finished fights uh bobby green super durable ally quinto super durable but the over two and a half is in that minus 400 which is crazy and a lot of people believe that this fight goes the distance the way that i'm looking to play it if i'm playing it at all is bobby green by decision which is roughly around even money minus 110 uh that's how i feel however and like I said, Bobby Green just fights so close that it's very difficult to tell if he uh, should go out there and win this fight. He should go out and win this fight against Ali Quinta, who, like I said, has his foot out the door already from MMA, and Bobby Green wants to go out there and stay active. And again, speaking of active, right, Jeff, we're talking about this about guys that stay active in this COVID era. Let me just quickly count how many fight this guy. One, two, three, four, five. It's going to be a sixth fight in the COVID era, which is crazy, absolutely crazy. I'm picking Bobby Green, Bobby Green by decision. How are you feeling about this one? Lock, it's like you're you're really good at this or something, man. Yeah. Oh, I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. We talked about you know recency, the recency bias, and not just the recency bias, but you competing frequently. Um, it's hard to 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 gain intel on somebody or, or make any plays on someone that hasn't fought since since Nam. You know, <laughs> and both these guys have been have been fighting since since Nam. So, uh, you know, both these guys are are, are vets in the game. Um, and Alan Quint is good, man. He shouldn't be slept on. His fight against yeah. Kevin Lee is one you mentioned. Dude, his fight against Khabib that he took on short notice. He's yep. probably one of the, the people that would look best against Khabib. Um, but again, styles make matchups, and I think Bobby Green's going to be too much for him. I think you said swag earlier, and I, and I love that. I think Bobby Green will swag out on him on this fight. Um, Bobby Green has this ability to, to not get hit clean, man. Um, his, his last fight with Vizier was a perfect example of that, man. He was getting hit, but not getting hit clean. He's almost uh, Anderson Silva-esque the way he like rolls with punches. It doesn't look the best on, on on camera. It looks like he is getting hit pretty hard, but if you if you slow it down or, or maybe try to look at it from a different perspective, you can see that he's, he's rolling a lot with the punches, and he's so good at the little shoulder roll, man. Um, uh, yeah, I like Bobby Green a lot in this fight. You mentioned the, the over two and a half. Uh, is now at minus 400. I caught it a little earlier, but I liked it a lot too. Um, 
Yeah, I like I like uh, Bobby Green a lot in this man, uh, a lot enough to put multiple units on this guy. That him him and Barnett were my my big two for this uh, this card. I, I like Bobby Green in this. Uh, speaking of two. yeah, speaking of these guys going to decision a hell of a lot. Uh, last time we saw a finish in a Bobby Green fight was when he got knocked out by Dustin Poirier in June of 2016, and then a flip side for Ally Quinta. The last time we've seen a finish in his fight is when he went out there and knocked out Diego Sanchez in April of 2017. It just seems like he's finishing the guys that are kind of over the hill at this time. Like even uh, before that, the last finish was Joe Lozon. He beats him in the second round. Ross Pearson beats him in the second round. Rodrigo Dam beats him in the third round, right? Like he's being these guys that are closer to the end of their career uh, compared to guys that are closer to the peak of their career, which I think Bobby Green is still as well. I think he's probably on the further side of his peak, but still closer to his peak than the end. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's huge that the fact that you mentioned he's fought six times in this pandemic, man. This yeah. guy's racking up money during this pandemic time. Right. And Ally Quinta, I'm not sure what he's been doing if he's if he's uh, been dealing with injuries or if he's busy selling, selling houses. houses. But <laughs> yeah, uh, but man, uh, it's so important to to stay active in this game. Like the sport is constantly evolving, and from a from a betting perspective, it's hard to to put money on someone without that intel. Like we don't know what Ally Quinta's been doing, if he's been training, how he's been looking. It's one thing to train; it's one thing to compete. So, yeah, again, I like Bobby Green a lot in this. All right, let's move on to the prelim headliner. We got the UFC debut of Alex Pereira going up against Andreas Mihalaitis. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus 250 now for Alex Pereira, plus 210 the return on, on Andreas Mihalaitis. Uh, most people will know Alex Pereira as the, the guy that knocked out Israel Adesanya in his kickboxing days. And now here he is trying to make the same thing happen in the MMA world. Uh, he just fought recently for the LFA, well, actually a, a year ago for the LFA, where he just absolutely blistered this dude. The guy was out for, uh, you know, longer than he should have been. It was, it was a very scary scene for first and foremost. And that just lets you know how heavy of a puncher this guy is. He just, he has so much knockout power. It's insane. Even the Israel Adesanya knockout, if I'm not mistaken, they had to bring out the, uh, the, the oxygen mask and stuff for him. It was bad. Like this guy has tremendous power, especially if he's able to add clean the young. He's something that Jeff Molina is actually pretty good at as well. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, in regards to this fight, it seems like the UFC knows what they're doing. Just like the Ian Gary fight with Jordan Williams. I feel like they're kind of setting up Alex Pereira to go out there and get a dub in his debut, try to add a highlight to his uh, highlight reel so that he can, you know, build up a little bit more of a story if he's able to you know get together another two or three wins and challenge Israel Adesanya who is already just laying waste to that middleweight division um Mihalaitis likes to move forward throw big winging hooks there are times where he goes to his grappling but he's just not the greatest grappler in my opinion and not to mention he's dealing with a big big dude in front of him uh Mihalaitis stands at six foot with a 75 inch reach on the flip side you got a 6-4 Alex Pereira with the 80 inch reach and I think he's going to use that reach advantage every inch of it keep this guy on the outside and then eventually find that 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 strike that's going to put him down here so i actually bet alex Pereira inside the distance uh so him to win by ko or submission at plus 110 rather than paying the minus 240 minus 250 on him i felt like the best thing to do was just take the prop you know this is mma crazy shit can happen you know Pereira can go out there and slip on a banana peel lose his fight or something like that i would rather lose on a plus 110 than a minus 250 uh which is why i took him inside the distance which i think is his best path to victory in this fight so yeah i like Pereira. Pereira by knockout plus 110 is what i bet how do you like this one brother yeah, uh, again, uh, I agree 100%, man. This is a, a fight I stayed away from as far as uh, playing just because uh, I had Pereira, but the, the odds were, were too high in his favor to, to make it worth my time. Uh, yeah, uh, the one thing that does concern me is uh, the level of competition Pereira has been fighting in this yeah. sport of MMA. Obviously, he's done great things in kickboxing, two wins over Izzy, a win over Dustin Jacoby. He's a great kickboxer, but 
this is a different sport, man. Um, so that striking will translate uh, in, in, in a sense to, to MMA, but this is a different sport. I went and watched uh, earlier this week uh, when I was when I was making my plays. I went and watched. Uh, how do you say that dude's last name? Mikey, Mikey Alice, Mike. Uh, Michalitis. Oh, uh, well, Michalitis. Uh, Andres. So Andres. Uh, <laughs> I watched Andres's fight against KB, and I just, yeah. I just wasn't that impressed. I, I don't see him. Uh, I didn't think his grappling was good enough to to use against Pereira, right? So if I, we talk about the the like, path of least, least resistance. If you're fighting a really good striker, you might want to try to grapple him. I don't think he's going to be able to do that, man. Um, uh, I mentioned uh, Prayer's level of competition that he's been fighting. I think the, his last fight where he got that nasty like check hook knockout Ooh. that went viral, uh, man, that was clean. But it was against a guy that was like had an even record. I think he was like three and three or four and four. So that that's one thing that does concern me. Obviously, he, he's pretty green to, to this sport of MMA, but he's being brought in uh, to kind of play that, that, that heel of this is a guy that knocked out the one of the the best middleweights, if not the best middleweight of all time. So, uh, I like that man. I like that that, that they're promoting that. But um, I, I'm gonna go do that prop bet you just mentioned though of uh, Pereira. Yeah, by, by KO. Um, it, that that might be worth my time there. It, it, it's on guys like myself, like predictors, analysts, and, and guys that kind of just break down fights and bet on them to to find opportunities to fade hype trains. Alex Pereira is a bit of a hype train. A perfect example is that we got last week in the PFL with Clarissa Shields coming into the MMA world, and she was a big favorite in her first fight and showed a lot of holes in that fight, but managed to persevere and then obviously get that finish later in that fight. But she showed a lot of holes in her ability to get back to her feet, and you know she's still struggling with that. Obviously, right? She's a she's a freaking boxer. How how much grappling? training can you really get in uh in time to be fighting people who have been doing it for the majority of their career so i, I taped that abigail montez girl better at plus 240 it was and just felt that she could get this fight to the ground and really control it from on top and she did a damn good job of doing so and that's what i was trying to find here with andres mihalitis does he have the chops to go out there and kind of swing the upset against Pereira? and i personally couldn't see it myself i i didn't want to take the underdog shot on him i think that this was picture perfect matchmaking for them to to get Pereira a very solid win in his ufc debut all right uh, before we get to the main event here, I do want to remind the 170 live viewers that we currently have, make sure you guys hit that like, hit that subscribe. And I also have Jeff Molina's Twitter link uh, in the description below. So rather than going to Twitter and typing in his name, you can just click on the description, click on that link, and then hit that follow because he's really stepping up his social media game. And I was very happy that he accepted on coming on to the show today. Uh, and hopefully we can get him a, a 100, 200, 300 more followers as well because he definitely deserves it, and he's on the rise. So hop on the train before it leaves the station, fellas. All right, main main card time, Jeff Molina. Dude, this uh, card is stacked. Dude. I just looked at the card one more time to, to look at the, the main up, card. Holy stacked. shit. And we're kicking things off with Michael Chandler against Justin Gaethje. In terms of odds, we got minus 200 now on Gaethje, plus 170-ish on Michael Chandler. I'll kick this right off. The, the easiest play probably, well, hopefully, knock on wood. We saw Johnny Walker and Tiago Santos go a full five rounds. Hopefully, we don't get 50 minutes of this fight. I parlayed the fight doesn't go to decision in this fight. Uh, I got it at around minus 300. I parlayed it with uh, Justin or Dustin Jacoby, and I got minus 132 on that parlay right there. But that was like a no-brainer bet for me. As soon as I saw this fight drop, I'm like, there's no fight where Gaethje like goes. There's not often a fight that Justin Gaethje's in that goes a distance. And now you got a heavy hitter and Michael Chandler, who is more than willing to engage in these types of firefights. Let's do it, right? Like, I do lean the Justin Gagey side here. I do think he'll be able to stop 
the inevitable takedowns that are going to be coming from the Michael Chandler side. And then from there, we know what his game is. Chop down that leg, start marching you down, start stalking you, really start putting his punches together. Shout out to Trevor Whitman, who's really refined uh, Justin Gaethje's striking game over the last little while, especially that performance against Tony Ferguson. Picturesque performance there. Uh, and yeah, I think we're going to see him do the same thing here against Michael Chandler. Chandler always has that chance to land that blast uh, hook or that wild wild shot that could potentially put Justin Gaethje on his butt, which is why I'd rather take the fight doesn't go to decision rather than taking Justin Gaethje. Uh, but I, I do think G Gaethje has this one. I'm going to say Gaethje second round KO, but that fight doesn't go to decision. I have that wrapped up in a couple parlays, but in terms of serious money, I have it parlayed what, uh, with uh, Dustin Jacoby. How are you feeling about this one, and who do you end up seeing getting their hand raised? Uh, for the 50th time, I agree with that 100%, man. Let's uh, go. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that take. Um, I think anything past five minutes, I, I got Gaethje. I, I think uh, what's kind of crazy to say is, like, they kind of swapped the, the, the ways that they used to fight. Um, yeah. I felt like Chandler used to be a, a, a little smarter in there, and then we've seen uh, in, in, in his last fight just kind of make poor decisions, uh, like kind of Gaethje used to do, and just go out there and, and go guns a-blazing and, and end up getting caught. Um, I think Whitman's done a really good job with Gaethje. He's doing something. Um, I'm a big Whitman fan, and uh, he's doing something called shifting, which like he he puts weight on, on his rear foot to step his lead foot back in, and it, it's a good way to cheat head movement. He started doing that in the James Vig fight. I saw a breakdown uh, not too long ago on it where Whitman actually talked about what what shifting is, and that's what he calls it. It's uh, it's it was pretty cool to, to see, and, and then I want, went and watched uh, Gaethje's fights after the Vig fight from the Vig fight on. And he has been doing that, man. It's a good way to cheat head movement and cheat power because you're stepping into the punch. And I feel like Gaethje, since that time, I'm sure it just wasn't that, him being taught that, that, that changed his game. But he's a lot smarter in there um, using his fight IQ. And then the, the fact that he's moving his head a little bit more, having a little more motion on the feet versus just coming forward, uh, I think is huge. So uh, I like that Gaethje by KO in the second. I like it. I like it. Hopefully that fight doesn't go to a decision no matter who wins because I got a, I got a good chunk of change right on that, Jeff. Uh, I hope somebody gets a knockout here. Before we move on to the next fight, happy belated birthday to your dog, Alfie. Funny oh, enough, me and you share the same name for dogs. My dog's name is Alfie as well. Is it short for Alfred or did you go yeah, with Alfie? Yeah, yeah same yeah, with us. I got, I got, yeah, I, I, I yeah, got... It makes uh, sound like a butler. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I was we were actually gifted it's a it's a small wiener dog adoption and we were gifted it from my mother-in-law and she was a big weird Al fan, weird Al Yankovic. So she named him Alfred. But when we got That's it, awesome. I'm just like it's Alfred from uh Batman, it's Alfred the Butler. That's oh, nice. yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. what I'm thinking, <laughs> rather than the weird Al connection there. Well, what was the genesis yeah. of the Alfred name, if you don't mind me asking? Man, so that, that was his name when uh when we adopted him. Um Okay. So we adopted him when he was like eight months old and I liked it. I was like, oh, that's fucking cool, dude. That's right. sick. It's almost like it sounds kind of human, you know? Yeah. Like it sounds like a human name, and I'm into it, you know? But we're going to call him Alfie, but his real name is, is Alfred uh, Alfred Molina. So Yeah, exactly. That That's exactly <laughs> what we do as well. Alfie is, is kind of what we, we've been running with. Uh, I think the next wiener dog I get, I want to name him Frank. Just, just like it just throws Perfect. people off, right? Yeah, like, yeah. They're probably thinking of like a bigger dog or something like that. It's just this little wiener dog <laughs> with little legs and stuff. That's, yeah. I love whenever he's uh, whenever he's doing something bad, I call him Alfred. You know, hey, Alfred, <laughs> Alfred Molina, get over here right now. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next fight here. The violence does not stop. 
We got Shane Burgos going up against Billy Quarantillo in terms of odds. We got minus 190 on Shane Burgos, plus 175 on Billy Quarantillo. Now, I'm a big fan of both of these guys. Uh, Billy Quarantillo especially, man. That guy just moves forward, reckless abandon, uh, usually has good durability so he can take some shots on the chin so that I can move forward and really implement his game. Uh, but I, I knew there was a certain point that we were going to I was going to be able to fade him with a good enough fighter that could deal with this pressure, be technically better than him, you know, better technical striking, movement, all that type of stuff. And I finally got that with Gavin Tucker. And I was happy to cash that as an, as an underdog there. I didn't think that Gabriel Benitez was going to be the guy to do the uh, replicate that type of, type of performance. But I feel like we're getting that here in Shane Burgos. Very high-level Muay Thai fighter here from the Tiger Showman crew over there in the New York area, I believe it is. Um and uh, yeah, I, I'm big on Burgos. Kind of, uh, he, he's dropped a couple notches in my mind over his last couple fights. As his striking defense looks a little bit suspect at times, right? He's getting blasted by Josh Emmett from like minute one to minute 15, and how he didn't get finished in that fight is beyond me. Uh, but even in that, some Barboza still getting touched up. I just don't know if Billy Quarantillo is that guy that has similar striking to an Edson Barboza or a or a. Uh, uh, Josh Emmett. Josh Emmett, even like not really a striker, right? He's more of a wrestling based striker where they kind of just blitz forward, use their wide winging hooks to close the distance so they can eventually get takedowns. But it seems like Josh Emmett really got comfortable with that wrestling striking style and really lit up Shane Burgos in that fight. Uh, Billy Q, I think he's going to have to go for takedowns in this fight to have any success. Uh, I do think that Shane Burgos has some damn good takedown defense. So that's going to be a tough task for Billy. Uh, and then I just think it's going to, it's going to go the distance in my opinion. And I do think it's going to be Burgos that's going to be landing the better shots from minute one to minute 15 he might get dinged a couple times and i'm a little bit worried and skeptical about his durability but i just don't know if billy q is going to be the one to put him on his butt and put him out so uh, i'm leaning with the tiger showman pupil here i like shane burgos uh, i'd never i haven't bet him yet i've thrown him into a couple of hail mary parlays uh but in terms of serious money i got nothing on him because i i want to see him kind of take a little bit more punishment before i trust his chin again and trust his durability but i just don't see billy q being that guy uh i like burgos here burgos by decision what do you think about this fight brother yeah yeah uh I love this fight, man. I love, love this fight from a fan's perspective and from a betting perspective. Uh, I got Burgos in a couple straight plays, and or sorry, a couple parlays and a straight play. Um, I like Burgos a lot in this fight. He's he's the more battle tested guy. Spot the tougher, tougher dudes. Um, the one thing that does scare me a little bit is how he's going to come back after that that knockout with with Barbosa. That was nasty. Scary. That 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 was a lot of punishment he took in that fight. Um, arguably, it could be a career-changing uh, knockout. Um, not arguably, that could be a, a career-changing knockout. You know that 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 was a lot of damage he took in that fight. A lot of miles got put into that one fight. Um, so that that's the only variable that uh, that scares me is like how he comes back after a fight like that. But uh, I, Billy Q isn't really known for his knockout power. He's more of a volume striker, and uh, I agree that I don't really see him out grappling Burgos or, or being able to to take him down. And if he does take him down, hold him down. So uh, I got Burgos by decision. Uh, I have him in a, like four parlays nice. and uh, and a straight play. So uh, I do like him in this fight. Yeah. Uh, a lot of Billy's game is kind of predicated on breaking his opponent. Burgos is not a guy that breaks, right? It, like he, even with that last knock over Barbosa, it seemed like he want, like he was doing his best to stay into that. And then his brain was just shutting off. It's like, nah, dog, we, we can't do this anymore. Let, let's, let's go night night for a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think we'll see Billy Q bring that out of Burgos tomorrow night all right next fight up 
uh, Frankie Edgar, the legend in the lighter weight classes, uh, finally, well, has been fighting at 135 pounds for a couple of fights now, but crazy the amount of success he's been able to find at 155 pounds, obviously captured the title earlier. Uh, uh, and then moved down to 45, was unable to uh, climb the mountain. That was Jose Aldo on two occasions. But now here he is at 135 pounds. And, you know, at the ripe age of 40 years old, he's taking on a 28-year-old Marlon Chito Vera. And Frankie actually finds himself as the underdog here, coming in at plus 135 and minus 155 being the return on Marlon Vera. Now, I... I, I am taking a shot on uh, Frankie Edgar in this spot as an underdog. I, I do believe that this could look hindsight as a minus 400 spot here for him, especially if his durability and his chin is able to hold up. Because I remember everybody and their mother betting on Pedro Munoz to win by knockout against Frankie Edgar. And Frankie went a hard 25 minutes with him, ate every single shot and kept moving forward. Say what you want about the decision in that fight. I think Frankie deserved to win that fight or at least the fact that he made it 25 minutes, let's give him the freaking fight. Uh, but he did some good things in that fight. We saw a classic Frankie moments, right? In and out movement, decent wrestling every now and then. Uh, but I think we'll see a similar thing here with Marlon Vera. Um, I'm not big on Marlon Vera. I'm not sure. I, I feel like he's been a little bit overrated at times in his career. Great fighter, don't get me wrong. He has been making tremendous improvements. But I think that this is a little bit a diff more difficult of a matchup for him. Like, when's the last time you can remember Jose Aldo winning around? you know, cooking somebody, getting them on the ground and and just grinding them out. That's not Jose Aldo's game, yet he was successful in doing so in the third round against Marlon Vera, who has some decent jiu-jitsu, just could not get out of that uh, that that position there. With Frankie Edgar here, I think he'll be able to land takedowns, stay active enough, stay away from uh, any power strikes, which, again, I don't think that Marlon Vera has much power, right? Uh, I think he's an accumulative finisher rather than a one-punch knockout kind of guy. And if he's not able to one-punch knockout Frankie Edgar here, I think he's going to be in tremendous trouble. So I I bet Frankie Edgar plus 130, uh, sorry, I think it was plus 140 if I'm not mistaken. But I do want to shout out somebody. I believe it was my guy, Anaconda Betts, that brought it to my attention. Uh, DraftKings or FanDuel, they have a prop where uh, decision-only Frankie Edgar plus 110, meaning if this fight finishes inside the distance, the, the bet is a push. It's void. You get your money back. The only way the bet loses is if Marlon Vera wins a decision, which I don't think is likely given the activity and minute-winning ability from Frankie Edgar. Uh, and then obviously if Frankie wins a decision, you win the bet. I like Frankie here. I think he has enough left in the tank to go out there and beat a guy like Marlon Vera as long as his durability holds up. Uh, but if he gets knocked out, I'm okay with losing money on an underdog bet uh, with a guy like Frankie Edgar. Uh, I like Frankie. Frankie decision. How are you seeing this one, brother? Man, I said I stay away from this one. If I would, if I were to play, I, I'd, I'd put money on Vera and then hedge it by Frankie by decision. I think that's his, his one his one path to victory. Um, I stayed away from it. You can't count out Frankie, man. Like the the fight that that comes to mind is the yeah, your Rodriguez fight. Like the way he he kind yeah. of busted a hype train. Not saying that there is a hype train, but he does have some hype behind him since he beat another goat in Sean O'Malley. Um, <laughs> man, uh, I I think Vera's good, but you're right. You brought up that Jose Aldo fight, and that kind of made me start thinking. It was like he he was able to to get cooked, as as you said, and as as we say at Glory, um, but by Jose Aldo, who's not really known for his uh his grappling prowess. He's known for his amazing takedown defense, has really good hips, if not the best hips in MMA, man. The way he's able to stuff shots is is just, like, surprising. Insane. Like, just pure athletes, that little hip bump. I think he's uh, one of a kind with that. Um, but I, I think Bear is really good. I think he's skilled. Frankie's, uh, Frankie's taken a lot of damage in the last couple fights, man. Um, another, another, another guy that, that arguably – can you can say that he took some career some career changing damage in, in those fights um he is a little older now 
I think all those variables uh, should be taken into consideration, especially at this point in his career. Um, uh, when's the last time Frankie fought? I wonder. Uh, he, he got knocked out by Sandhagen in February. Sanhagen. Yeah, yeah. And then had that close fight with Pedro, no? That was um, before that. Pedro was before that. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I like Vera in this fight. Again, if I, if I were to play it, uh, Vera, you know, uh, straight play on Vera and then hedging it with, with Frankie, just to, enough to make some money off of it. All right. We're finally uh, in disagreements about a fight, which is always great. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll see how it plays out tomorrow night. All right, two fights left. First of which is the co-main event, women's strawweight strap on the line here. Rose Namajunas coming in as a plus 100 dog or plus 105 dog now, minus 115 coming back on Wiley Zhang. Uh, very, very excited for this fight. Uh, the interesting thing is Zhang was actually a minus 200 favorite in their first fight, and the fight lasted only 78 seconds. And now people are just completely throwing out everything they thought about Wiley Zhang and saying that Rose Namajunas probably goes out there and, and starches her once again. But I'm not sure how you can really say that right like the, the, we didn't we saw 78 seconds of a fight where she got knocked out and and the the funny thing about rose namajunas's rematches like she's had a couple of rematches throughout her career uh th there's always a finish in the first fight and then the next fight always goes 25 minutes like there's almost a little bit more respect from the opponent or something like that to not get a little bit too close or not get a little bit too lazy and, and end up uh, staring up at the lights once again um I, I lean the Zhang side still here. You know, I know she's moved down to fight ready. Shout out to Eddie Cha and Santiago DeFranco, obviously working with her. Uh, obviously, we've been seeing the pictures of her and Suhudo and uh, Figgy Smalls out there kind of just, uh, you know, doing work and, and working together. So you got to believe there could be a wrestling component that Zhang might want to implement here, which is interesting because we don't really see Rose go out there and deal with the grapple-heavy approach, not since her fight with Carla Sparza, which was her UFC debut, which she got tapped out in, in, in the third round. Uh, with that said, Rose Namajunas has some very crafty and very nasty jujitsu off of her back, and that's something that Zhang is going to have to worry about here. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Zhang kind of just switch it up. You know, she she has good enough striking that she should be able to disguise some nice takedowns behind it, um, and, and maybe get some takedowns and and kind of you know steal rounds just based off of that. Um, but man, it's very hard to to build a ton of confidence on either side of this fight. I, I lean the Zhang side, and I actually lean the over four and a half at minus one twenty as well. I could see this fight kind of get drawn out. Uh, like I said, a little bit more respect between each other for each other's power, uh, and, and we could see a little bit of uh, tentativeness maybe from either side. I lean uh, Zhang. No bet on this fight though. Going to be a close one. It should be a fun one. Uh, but but I think Zhang pulls it out and gets her title back. How do you feel about this matchup? Laka, I'm in the same boat as far as staying away from this fight. However, I do have the other end. I, I got Rose taking this this one. Um, I, I don't think there's much to take away from the first fight as far as Wiley getting starts pretty pretty fast. Um, I, I think this fight might might be similar to uh, Joanna, the first and second fight. Joanna got starts in the first, and then the fight was a lot more competitive the second second go around. Um, I think that's going to be the case here. I think the fight will be pretty competitive. Um, I think Rose edges most of the rounds. I don't see Wiley being able to hold her down if she does get the takedown. I think Rose is pretty scrambly. I think she's learned from the past of, of not settling when she's on her back and using submission attempts to get up. Um, I, I like Rose in this. Um, I see her edging a decision uh, pretty comfortably. Um, Wiley's tough, man. Also, the aspect of, like, she got flatlined by by Rose. Like, that that does something something to you on both sides mentally. Um Rose has the confidence of like, I just knocked you out, you know, 
and, and then Wiley on the other side is like uh, this took just knocked me out so that that I feel like that that has a little that gives you a little edge going into a, a rematch and uh yeah I like Rose in this one again I didn't play it um I'm, I'm gonna stay away from this one historically speaking I think the the, the statistic is uh uh there's been nine immediate title rematches and the guy who won the first fight won eight times. There's only one person that actually sprung the upset and that was Randy Couture. So uh, some, some pretty uh, lofty company to be with if uh, Wally Zhang is able to pull off uh, this what, win. What about Stipe? Would Stipe be uh, another one that... that uh, yeah, be, uh, actually, you're right. So I guess where, wherever I got my statistic was wrong. <laughs> Thank you for quickly uh, uh, reminding me yeah, about that. That fight but, just came to mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Uh, I did have money on DC in that second fight too, so that one kind of stings oh, a little bit. Oh, All right, let's uh, let, let's move on to the main event here. Let's, bullshit, yeah. yeah, I know, right? Wait, let's, <laughs> let's, let's keep this moving, Jeff. All right, uh, right before we start this main event, shout out to the 200 live viewers that we now have. Appreciate you guys sticking with us on this Friday evening. Probably we got LFA on the other screen since you guys are DJs like me and Jeff. Uh, but uh, appreciate you guys tuning in and hearing our breakdowns for this fight. As a reminder, make sure you guys hit that like, hit that subscribe, and then hit my man Jeff with the follow as well. The link to his Twitter page is in the description below let's give him some love over there and get that social media following up all right main event time rematch kamaru usman colby covington in terms of odds we got minus 270 now on kamaru usman plus 230 plus 240 is the return on colby covington jeff i think these two guys are the most complete fighters inside the ufc and i mean that with all respect to all the other champions but great you know improving striking from both guys insane cardio insane output great wrestling like these guys are as complete as you can get of a fighter. The one, the two things that I kind of look for uh, in fighters are, are cardio, especially when I'm betting them, cardio and a, uh, an ability to put a pace on your opponent that they're not able to keep up with. And this is what these guys have been able to go out there and beat all of the opponents that have pretty much faced them outside of the one loss I believe Colby had in the UFC against Warley Alves. But outside of that, you know, these guys have been going to war with their opponents and and really coming out pretty uh, uh, dominantly on the other side. Now, the first time they met UFC 245 back in December of 2019, one judge had a 3-1 going into the fifth for Kobe. One judge had a 3-1 Usman going into the fifth. And then obviously one judge had a 2-2 going into the fifth. Luckily, Kamar Usman left that out of the equation and put a stamp on that fight and got that TKO at the end of the fifth round. Uh, we've seen Usman way more active, right? He's fought three times since the last time they competed. He decisioned Jorge Masvidal, knocked out Gilbert Burns, and then knocked out Jorge Masvidal at all something that nobody has ever done in the career knockout for him after all that's something that Kamaru Usman was able to do and then on the flip side with Colby Compton he goes out there and uh, finishes Tyron Woodley in the fifth round of their fight but this 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 is a very intriguing fight I'm seeing people automatically just going on to the Usman side saying he's been you know more active you see his improvements in live action whereas Colby Compton you know all he's pretty much been doing is training. And in my perspective, like you can't just count out a guy because he hasn't been you know, th that active uh, at that level. You got to believe that he's been training, especially if he came up short in that first fight, knowing Colby the way that we do, right? The last thing he wants to go out there is lose, uh, especially considering the game that he talks. Um, but I, I feel like he's been improving, you know, behind the scenes just as much. My concern is kind of his camp changes. Like he's been going to ATT and trying to find other camps. So I think now he's over there at MMA Masters and, I'm just not sure how invested he is in that coaching staff over there. I think he's kind of just trying to find a home where he can train, have guys that are holding pads for him and stuff, and kind of just work on himself, not really have a, a team mentality. Um, 
but but in this fight with Kamara, man, Kamara's been improving, like we said. Uh, great striking. I see it being just as close, which is why I'm not betting Usman here. I'm picking Usman to win, but I think the odds are just a little bit too wide here. I think this fight's going to play out way closer than the odds actually indicate. I honestly think that Kamara could go down as one of the best welterweights of all time, and that's all respect to the Canadian god and savior, George St. Pierre, but I think that Kamara Usman can go out there and say Drake. <laughs> is he a welterweight, Jeff, with all the, with all yeah, the roids that this be. man's he's, on he's now? A, yeah, right? He's looking pretty big. Yeah. Uh, I like Usman here. Uh, I think he still goes out there and gets to finish in the fourth round. If I do bet this, it would be Usman inside the distance just to get a better line. But, man, it, it's going to be a close fight. Closest fight. I don't think anybody comes close to these two guys. Maybe Hamzat, if he really pans out to be a really good welterweight. But we can't bank on anything he's done just because of the level of competition he's been going up against. I'm going Usman. Usman, fourth round, TKO. How do you see this one going down, brother? I think the lines are, are a little disrespectful with uh, Usman at minus 300. Um, I think people forget that that first fight was pretty close, man. Uh was very close. I had a 2-2 going into the fifth, and then that, that fifth round was very competitive up until the point where it wasn't, where uh, Colby got clipped, and, well, you know, we saw what happened after that. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I, this is what I'm staying away from, too. Uh, I'm going to preface this this play that you can make. Uh, I stole this from James again. Uh, kind of the same thing with the uh, Marlon Vera, uh, Frankie Edgar, if you want to play it. I, I do like uh, straight straight betting uh, Usman and then hedging it with uh, Colby by decision. I feel like that's his one path to victory. I don't see him knocking out Usman. I don't see him subbing him. So uh, I do like that play. But as, as far as the assessment of the fight, I, I do see Usman winning. Um, people were talking about the uh, their itinerary and like their, their – the, the time they competed i think usman's only had one more fight since since that that colby fight so like he's had three or, fights actually uh, I, mean, I meant to say he's only had one fight more than than colby yeah since their first go around uh since they first fought colby fought uh um woodley, woodley and then uh, usman fought uh masvidal twice and burns oh, okay just kidding uh, so he has, been, <laughs> he has been a lot he has been a lot more uh you know, busy. He's been, he's yeah. been competing a lot more, and that that's another factor. Like like we we talked earlier, it's like it's hard to to bet on these people that that haven't you don't have much intel on to go off of. Like how much better has this guy gotten? Colby uh, switched camps to MMA Masters. Uh, I think he did that prior to the Tyron Woodley fight. So so he's been with them for a little bit of time. Um, I'm stoked to see to see this fight, man. It's it's the uh, you, you said both these guys are very similar styles. Arguably the best welterweights in that division. Not arguably, they are the best welterweights yeah. in that division, um, and and possibly of all time. And both those guys are so fucking good. And their first fight was so competitive. I'm really excited to see it. Uh, just going off the intel that, that we have, I'm going with Usman. Man, this is a guy that we've seen get better inside of fights. Like it's it's very rare that we see a world champ progress like this uh, in between each fights. Like the the amount he has, it's 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 like visible. Like you can see it. So that that's pretty cool. Um, so just going off the intel that we have, I'm going with Usman. I like it. I like it. And Jeff, I was right. Shout out to all the commenters are saying, yes, DC fought Stipe, then Derek Lewis, and then then Stipe again. So it wasn't an immediate fight rematch in between. for I got Stipe. You. There yeah, we yeah, go. Yeah. So it is. 
correct. One and nine for uh, for that statistic, and the only person to win uh, was Randy Couture. All right, before we wrap this thing up, the last thing that I always like to do is give our lock of the night play or our most confident play of the card. Uh, personally, I don't have a lock of the night play for this card, but the bet that I have, I have two bets that are the biggest. I have two two-unit bets, uh, both of them being parlays. The first one, of which I have Ian Gary and Ode Osborne parlayed, two units for plus 106, and then I have Jacoby parlayed with the Gaethje and Chandler fight doesn't go to decision, two units at minus 132. I didn't feel confident enough to go out there and splurge five units or anything on this card. Got to play it safe. Got to play a little bit more discipline. Uh, but yeah, that's where I feel about this card. What is your most confident play or parlay for this card, Jeff? Uh, parlay I'm pretty confident in, man, is uh, Shane Burgos, Ian Gary, and Phil Haas. Just straight straight picks on all three of those. Um, I like that a lot. I like all three of those guys, and I think it, it's, it's worth your time at their odds to, to put them in a parlay. Um, I'm not sure what the odds are on the parlay um, at the book I'm looking on. I looked at all three books I made this pick on, and they don't give me the odds. But I'm comfortable in telling you what I what I put on one of these books and tell you how much I'd make. It was 500 bucks to 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 make seven 750. So, um, sorry, it was Burgos, Hawes, and who? And Ian Gary. Okay, plus 161 um, is what you can get at five dimes right now. Perfect. Yeah, I, I'm I'm confident in that parlay. I made it across uh, three different books, so uh, I'm excited. Let's get it, Jeff. All right, before I let you go here, uh, what can we expect nef- next from Jeff? Are you is there are there names being thrown around? Are you in training camp? Are you what are you doing? What what's going on? Are we going to see Jeff in the cage? Uh, you know, early twenty twenty two. What give us the give us the lowdown? Man, I, I kind of came into this last fight a little banged up, um, so I'm trying to get healthy, man. Hopefully, uh, late spring is what I'm looking at. I got a vacation okay. plan. Taking the the folks to Hawaii next month. Which hey, let's about, go. Man. I've never been. They never been. So. Uh, it was my mom's birthday a couple days after my fight, so I surprised her with uh, a trip to Hawaii. So uh, I'm fucking stoked for that, uh, to, to be able to uh, be in a position where I can uh, afford to take my parents on vacation like this. Uh, it means a lot, so it's pretty cool, man. So uh, after the vacation, I'm in the gym every day, man, uh, whether I got a fight lined up or not. So after the vacation, hopefully I'll be a little healthier and I'll be able to, to, to get back to it. All right. Wonderful. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, before I wrap things up, I do want to give you the platform if, in case there's anything you want to plug or say to the guys that are watching. we got about 190 people that are still sticking around and obviously the couple thousand that are going to be watching this and after the fact. Anything you want to say to the fans before we sign off? Nothing to plug, brother. Uh, to the fans, that thanks for watching, man. Thanks for tuning in. This is fun. I love talking fights, especially when there's, uh, there's money involved. So, fuck yeah. yeah. And thank you. Yeah, thank you, Locke, for having me, man. Absolutely. I know it's probably a, a good change of pace, not talking about yourself the entire time, right? Breaking it down of the cards, not saying, oh, how are you feeling going into the, this next fight? I never want to do that. I want to I use the betting uh, format to kind of keep us on track with some things and then other ways just, just kind of divulge into other conversations like Alfred and Alfie and all that type of stuff. So I really appreciate you hopping on and spending this time with me to break down this card. Good luck on your bets tomorrow night, obviously. Everybody else, good luck on your bets tomorrow evening as well. I uh, appreciate you guys joining us on this Friday night. I will We'll be back tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern, to do a fight day live chat, taking all questions, comments, and concerns from the live chat. So if you guys want to swing by and ask my questions or ask any questions, you guys are more than welcome to do so. But uh, gamble responsibly, fellas. Let's go out there, try to make some money tomorrow. And uh, all I got to say is War Dustin Jacoby. That's the first name that came to my head. Let's go get some money, brother. Let's go. Jeff, appreciate you once again, as always. Uh, and hopefully we can get you on in the near future, maybe after your Hawaii trip, and you can share some stories with us as well. Maybe going wakeboarding or whatever the hell you want to do over there. But uh, yeah, once again, appreciate you hopping on. And shout out to everybody else in the chat. See you guys tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern. Let's fucking go. Man, thanks for having me, brother.